This is Table Talk, your premier competitive Warhammer 40K Houston podcast. We review new content and releases, interview some of the brightest minds in Houston 40K, and talk gameplay and tactics to help you level up your Warhammer 40K game. This is a Team Eden production sponsored by Eden Games. Now for your Table Talk host, Chad Stubblefield. Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of Table Talk. As always, I am your host, Chad Stubblefield. Thank you for joining us today. As always, Eden Games is one of our sponsors. Make sure you go to edengames.com and find all of the amazing good stuff and all the wargaming needs that you may have. Paints, models, pretty much everything can be found at edengames.com with a pickup or shipping option. So if you're local or even if you're not, make sure you check it out. So today, we're going to be talking about the new bugs on the block, and who better to bring on than the Xenos Purger himself, we have Brian Rowe. Brian, say hi to the people. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me back on, man. Yeah, yeah. I felt like Death Watch was kind of the right way to lean into this. I know you have a lot of previous experience testing against, both like like Crusher Stampede, regular NIDs. You were on camera at Warzone Houston playing against NIDs. So that was a very like cool thematic match for everybody. So give us, before we dive into the codex today, and we're just kind of going to be talking about the best stuff, I kind of want to frame this podcast in the way that we are going to be helping opponents of Tyranid players find out what they can do in those matchups and just really get general knowledge on what is honestly a very deep book, right? Absolutely, yeah. So go over for me first, what was your kind of interpretation and experience of what Tyranids were before Knockman, before this book, before everything, right? Oh, man. Um, <clears throat> I think it was uh, prior to Clutch and then whatever tournament or the RTTs that we were doing uh, even prior to that, I was really testing maybe like at least two games a week against all my Nid buddies. And uh, Crusher Stampede is a real thing. And it's <laughs> it's it's big and scary and it's... Fun to try to figure out the tools against it, you know, and that's something I think that we're going to try to touch on today, too, is like you were saying um, before the podcast, a lot of people know, or at least the Tyranid players know, you know, they have their books already. There was a bunch of unfortunate leaks and stuff, and uh, that that is what it is, but um, today it'll be cool to kind of like, you know, all right, this is what I would take against these guys, because now they have some new stuff and it's scary, and what am I going to do to prepare against that? So hopefully this conversation will help the listeners reevaluate from their army and their perspective like what are my tools against this thing and what are you know what are the things i'm going to have to look at when they bring this to the table against me so yeah so the the hope is for me personally i know that tyranids had the uh leviathan supplement came out and kind of gave them a fresher breath there um a fresher breath there a breath of fresh air i do that all the time i heard I that catch it i heard that i i caught it because i heard that one time in a gorilla song and they did that as a joke and it stuck with me for the rest of my life yeah so it was, yeah, the light bulb just yeah, it was a it was a breath of fresh air for them they they got the leviathan supplement had so many good strats and it kind of redefined the synaptic links and all that crazy goodness and then they had the Crusher Stampede, you know, the whole, I call it a Leviathan supplement because now coupled with the Leviathan yeah. supplement, you're always going to take them together. And we're going to the Dallas Open and Dallas has done an interesting thing. And you kind of have to check with tournament organizers because 
Games Workshop, unfortunately, has not been clear about this. And we don't really have precedence for whether it should be legal or not be legal. Yeah, it's a toss-up. But Dallas Open, we're going to look at this codex and the framework that neither of those things are legal because we're going to a tournament where they're not. Exactly. That was news, too, when we found out they're not going to have Crusher at Dallas. It's We have... A- you know, a few guys on the team that like Tyranids and, and they had to make some changes. So I, I think nine out of nine out of 10 of us or eight out of nine of us were like, oh, yes. they, they got, <laughs> yes. I, yeah, I'm one of those guys, but poor Joey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and we'll lean into a couple of data sheets in here that I think it, hopefully Tyranid players, if they are listening to this can frame their mind in such a way that like if Crusher was legal, the, the your book would get hit so tremendously hard. Right. And I, I think that you, th- there's no reason to even want that because this is such a beautiful book. Right. I, I've, exactly. I've taken the time to read through it. I really enjoy it. And we are going to start off, if you're reading along at home or if you end up picking up a Tyranid Codex just to learn it, I always pick up every book just to read through it, mm. which is something, if you don't do that, you'll, you'll love yourself for it. I know books are being released at a blistering pace, but picking up every book and just reading through it and really grasping it has helped me a lot at tournaments. hundred percent. And even if you have a friend who, who owns the book and, and can loan it to you for a couple days, they're not super hard to get through, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. You could, you could just be a spike and read all the rules or you can spend two or three nights with it and make it through all the lore stuff too, which is super cool. But either way, <laughs> try to read every book. I think that's an excellent advice. So we're going to start with the biomorphologies on page 61. The region, the reason I'm starting with the biomorphologies is if you were to start before this, you would see all of the high fleets and the various high fleets have references to these biomorphologies where they can kind of, I, I refer to it as magic sideboarding. Mm-hmm. So they have a main trait and an adaptive trait that they can switch out with their preferred biomorphologies before the game starts, which then gives them another trait that may be more beneficial in that game going forward. I think it's a very cool mechanic. Yes. Uh, so just be aware <laughs> that, and you can ask your opponents, you know, Oh, you're behemoth. What are their biomorphologies? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and just make sure you have a clean grasp on it. So, the one I'm going to go over, because like I said, we're not going to cover everything. Right. Uh, there's the hunt, lurk, and feed biomorphologies. So hunt is your kind of movement-based biomorphologies. Kind of makes you better at getting to the target or stabilizing when you get to the target. Feed is going to make you better at killing the actual target. Lurk is where the power is. And so we're going to talk about lurk because the high fleets that have lurk immediately kind of go up in stock, right? Yes. So lurk biomorphologies, keep in mind your opponent can switch out into any of these with their adaptive trait. So let's start with exoskeleton reinforcement. Each time an attack is made with an armor penetration characteristic of minus one is allocated to a model with this adaptation, which is then at that point your entire army. Mm -hmm. That attack has an armor penetration characteristic of zero instead. It's great, right? You know, they, they get to look at the matchup. And be like, wow, there's a lot of AP1 across your army. Yeah. Let's make that AP0 for the rest of the game. Storm for everybody. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Next, we have naturalized camouflage. Each time a ranged attack is allocated to a model with this adaptation, while it is receiving the benefits cover from a terrain feature, add an additional one to any armor saving throws made against that attack. Incredibly good. Right. This, to me, it stacks with light cover. But the most interesting part is it just says if you're receiving any benefits any of cover. Any cover right there. Yep. I think that's 
there's a lot of different ways to get any kind of benefit of light cover. You know, there's spells, there's warlord traits, there's relics, there's all kinds of things in all, all the different armies that do that. So that's important that the wording is like that. And I think to be able to toss a big bug in the middle of a point, in the middle of the open, and still increase their save by two, essentially. Yeah. Um, it's... Or really even be behind dense. So not only they're benefiting from cover at that point. Exactly. So you're getting a minus one and they're receiving light cover just for the trouble of standing in the right place. Yep. Well, it's a movement game. Yeah, absolutely. And then we have territorial instincts. This is the one you're probably going to see the most. This is monster models with this adaptation have the objective secured ability. <sighs> Great, right? I think that's awesome. Yeah. I think it's, it's the way the game is won, so... Absolutely. And there's two bullet points to that, which is that monster models with this adaptation that have a wounds characteristic of 10 or more count as five models when determining control of an objective marker. Your big boys are going to run up. They're going to kill one of your Marines and you only have four left in that squad. And yeah. Now you don't have the point anymore. It, it's it's it, that one to me is the one that immediately screams out as it's going to be taken a lot. They're going to look at how much OPSEC is in the matchup and they really just get to any any monster in the army gets to run onto a point and just have it. Right. And I mean, again, talking about um, most of my experience uh, with TIDs and the or NIDs, Tyranids, <laughs> TNIDs, in the last couple months was Crusher. So dealing with somebody who on the beginning of their upkeep, or uh, we're talking magic now too, uh, <laughs> on command phase, when they go ahead and say, okay, this guy's OPSEC, but he's got 14 wounds left. You know, that's my interpretation of the new version of that, right? So you can swap into that and you can go ahead and, and still essentially guarantee that you're at least five bodies. And if you need to kill one Marine on there, it's not too hard being a big bug to do that. And taking a point that's going to swing the game, it's it's huge. Yeah, so 40K is always a points game. And this is something to look out. Territorial instincts is something to look out for because the minute your your opponent takes it, and even if they just have the option to take it, it may not, if your army does not have a lot of OPSEC, it may not be advantageous for you to take something like Stranglehold, right? So before the matchup starts, you, if you know that they have Lurk as an option to shift into, then you may reconsider what your secondaries are from the jump before going into the matchup being like, okay, I took Stranglehold because they actually pick these right before the game starts. I know. That's the other thing I wanted to say before we go too fur- too much further is that's probably, I don't know, very many other things in other codexes that are in such a manner in match play, right? That used to be the thing. You'd have to take your, your warlord traits and your relics as you got to the table, and now it's all baked in and you got to pay for everything. This is one of those things that essentially lets you kind of tailor make your list after you've seen what you're fighting. And I yeah. think that's huge. I think today in the meta, that's huge. Absolutely. And then we have unfeeling resilience. Models with this adaptation whose characteristics can change as they suffer damage are considered as having the double amount of wounds remaining for the purposes of determining what characteristics they are. You have a lot, Your opponent has a lot of big bugs that has, a, you know, they, this degradation chart that they don't want to reach. This may be something that they take. I don't think they're going to take it often because we've already seen so many that are just ridiculously better. Uh, But someone may have leaned into that in their list design, right? Absolutely. Uh, And then we have Synaptic Ganglia. You can re-roll Deny the Witch Test taken for units with this adaptation. If you're a Grey Knights and T-Suns player out there, you might want to look at this one. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then... Each time a psychic power is manifested by a unit with this adaptation, increase the range of that psychic power by three inches. If it specifies multiple ranges, you add three inches to the first range specified on the psychic power. So, right. 
Hmm. That's interesting wording there, but it's very cool. And I, and I think you hit the, the nail right on the head earlier when you started talking about this and just the versatility and the option to switch between any of this. And if, if you know your opponent has lurk, there's, you just need what, five right there? And the first three of them are insane. That last one there, denying now is a very important thing with everybody kind of teching into the let me bring one psyker and just go ahead and get my my interrogation. So that's a big deal if you're going to be re-rolling a you know a, a deny on that. Which as you see, it's these all these different ways to go ahead. I can make myself upset, take points there. I can stop you from getting points because I'm going to re-roll. Oh, you rolled a five on your psychic interrogation. Oh, I rolled a four. Let me re-roll it. <laughs> well, and that that's the big thing too. We just had a huge data slate come out, right? Huge. And an insane data slate. And we see people teching into maybe Terminators in their list where they weren't before. So the Tyranids player may see a Grey Knights list that has teched into minimal strikes and more so on the Terminator or Paladin side of things. And those don't have OPSEC. You don't necessarily need the OPSEC, but you might need to be able to re-roll deny test. Yeah, especially if they're going to be a Grey Knight player farming points like that. It's Absolutely. It's huge. So I, I, I think that Lurk to me, stands out as the biggest. It's the one you should look out for. Uh, we're going to talk about a couple of high fleets now, what I think are probably the three best or the three that, when I read through the book, I was like, I could tech into these, right? Yeah. And that was my initial like mm-hmm. first instinct that these were may- maybe some of the more powerful. So we're going to start off with Behemoth. This is the one, especially those tournaments that rule that the Leviathan supplement doesn't exist right. or Crusher doesn't exist. Behemoth is really what they you may see people teching into. Absolutely. So their high fleet adaptation, which is their their main trait, not the adaptive trait. Their main trait is each time a unit each time a unit with this adaptation fights, if it made a charge, was charged, or heroically intervened, then until the fight is resolved, you add one to the strength characteristic of models in that unit. So that's that's pretty big. So you already have a bunch of big strength monsters, but what this can bring you to, I've seen a lot of strength six, strength seven in this book. What this can bring you to is that break point of strength eight. Yes. Yep. And and suddenly now you're wounding on twos against a lot of these. And people are going to be bringing their marines out. They're dusting them off right now. I know. (laughs) Yeah, you know. (laughs) It's that's the big point too. And I mean, I think the obviously the the way the game is kind of set. If you can get to those higher numbers in strength and the even numbers or the breaking points, right? You get to six, you're good against T3 guys. You get to eight, you're good against T4 guys. So this is, again, a big deal. And it's... It's, it's cool. It's yeah. cool when it just cool. happens, too. When it's just your trait, right? So, so you got to think about combating that, right? If people know they're coming up against that in their lists and they're going to think, okay, well, now Firstborns maybe are not as great because especially with the new Armor of Contempt, um, the shields don't matter, and that's where you're mainly going to put a shield. And then um, I need prime. I need transhuman for prime. I need primaries for that. So it's going to change a lot of stuff. This book, I think, the Tyranids is going to be, in my experience over the last like year playing competitive 40k, this book is the one that comes out. I think that's going to shake up the other armies the most. Yeah, and how they have to play. Yeah. So their adaptive trait, which they can swap out for the hunt biomorphologies or the lurk biomorphologies, their adaptive trait is you can re-roll charge rolls for units with this adaptation. It's still pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they may not good. even switch out. I right? know, right? Uh, yeah, definitely pretty good. Their warlord trait 
And I before I go too much farther into the high fleet packages, um, much like Gene Stiller Colts, you have a psychic power that oh, or Thousand Suns, you have a psychic power that just everybody knows. Yes, yeah. So that's something to consider when we talk about the psychic power. Even if it's not the most powerful, it just exists. You didn't have to pay anything for it. You just had to be this thing that you were already going to take anyways, right? So their warlord trait, which is monstrous hunger. Each time this warlord makes a melee attack, an unmodified wound roll of six inflicts one mortal wound in addition to normal damage. Pretty good. Oh, yeah. Mortals are another big killer, you know? I mean... I think when we get to the warlord traits, we're going to find that this isn't... There's there's so many better ones. Um, I think you're not taking the behemoth package personally for the warlord trait because the... The, uh, funny enough, a lot of the bugs, uh, yeah, you could have scything talons for extra attacks, but a lot of the bugs still don't have that, like, huge volume of attacks. So to me, this reads, your warlord makes one mortal every time it fights, which, yeah. which is kind of meh. Yeah, that's a, that's a good way to analyze it. And like you, the, another good point is that it, there isn't a whole lot of volume coming from these guys. So I think if you're going to maximize that, you want somebody who's swinging 12 to 15 times, right? Absolutely. For the psychic power, we have unstoppable onslaught. It is a blessing. It has a warp charge value of seven. If manifested, select one friendly behemoth unit within synaptic link range of the psyker until the start of your next turn. Each time a model in that unit makes a melee attack, you add one to the wound roll. I love adding one to wound. <laughs> That's a big buff. Yeah, yeah. So cast on a seven plus one to plus one wound. A lot of these things. Wait, when you need this, like I said, you may not use this all the time. When you need this, you're going to be facing knights yeah. or whatever. And and suddenly the Tyranid player is maybe wounding on fours going to threes. Right. Even even the math, I mean, it's not great, but even the math on going from something where you're fives and sixes down to fours again, right? Yeah. That's, that's a big thing, especially if you're a big Tyranid that's swinging a D3 plus three damage weapon. Those quality of attacks are crucial, right? And maybe you're rolling six dice and two of them are going to get through, but now three of them get through and that's another four damage, right? In a perfect world, right? Yeah. Just tossing on dumb numbers, but it's an, it's, it's the small potential there that could end up bringing down something. Well, and could you imagine like you're, you're playing a mainly psychic army and every guy just knows this? Yeah. It's just free. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the big part. Like, I can't stress that enough as it just happens. Like, it's on every data sheet. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm known for, uh, like, wait a minute, can that, that unit cast that too? Against my, our buddy Connor playing Great Knights. Like, he's, yes, yes, Brian. They, <laughs> they all have it. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, okay, cool. For their relic, we have Monstrous Musculature. It's an interesting British word, I'm sure. Uh, add one to the damage characteristics of melee weapons the bearer is equipped with. Big. Mm, that's Just, very big. The most, I think we were talking about this a little earlier. The most important way I see that, and um, like against T Suns or against other armies that have ways to say, I ha- okay, well, I'm going to minus one of your damage. And T Suns, particularly, because they minus one and put you down to one damage. And, and then they get plus one of exactly, their save. Yeah. But um, if you can beef that up. Uh, and get your stuff to three damage or, you know, four damage higher. Yeah. Yeah. Four damage is higher. And four damage against death guard takes it down to three and it still takes out a terminator base every time it gets there. That's the most, um, important way to do that. I think, or that's what you have to kind of think about, right? Yeah. What's the best way that I could, I could get my opponent to roll his dice and every failed wound is a dead model instead of, 
Oh, okay. Well, now oh, I'll have to go on one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, you know, so those are things to think about. And it's, and it's tough to find points in everybody's list to find exactly all those things. But these are the keywords we keep seeing in, in books coming out. Like yeah. plus one to damage or, or if you have this going on minus, uh, you know, another plus one to your save. Plus one to win. Yeah, like any way you can get extra efficiency on the dice or the efficiency of the dice, yes. then that's, and, that's a great way to do exactly, it. Exactly. Yeah. Those are important. Next, we have Unparalleled Ferocity. This is their High Fleet-specific stratagem. It is one command point slash two command points. Use this stratagem in the fight phase when a behemoth infantry unit, excluding characters, from your army that have not fought this phase is selected as the target of a melee attack until the attacking model's unit has finished making its attacks. Each time a model in the behemoth unit is destroyed, instead of triggering any rules that are triggered when the model is destroyed, do not remove it from play. It can, after the attacking model's unit has finished making its attacks, attack as if it has been selected to attack. Um, then it, then you remove the model. If it is a endless multitude keyword, if it has the endless multitude keyword, this stratagem costs one, otherwise it costs two. So basically it's a one slash TCP fight on death. Right. Um, really good on something like, because uh, it specifies infantry. Mm-hmm. So to me, that initially makes me think of like Tyranid Warriors, which every yeah. list is going to be ta- taking. Yeah. Big blob of Tyranid Warriors fighting on death. That's it, great. Yeah. That's seem, really seems pretty insane, right? Yeah. I'm a fan of that. So that's really Behemoth is kind of stuck out to everybody as the all-arounder package. It's very and, toolbox, and and yeah. having lurk is important, and or, or having the you know the the ability to adapt and swap out, and like you said, lurk is the one that everybody's looking at there. So yeah, Behemoth is good. I think you're going to see it. Yeah, absolutely. Next, we're going to Leviathan. So uh, going straight over Kraken to Leviathan here on page fifty-five. So for their main adaptation, they have two bullet points. Each time an attack is made against a synapse unit with this adaptation, an unmodified wound roll of one through three always fails. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. What that's... is that called? There's no word for that, I think, right? Hey, someone did it first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so so army-wide transhuman on your synapse units, that's actually your Tyranid Warriors. That's, that's... the important stuff. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's everything you're ping-ponging all those synapse abilities through. And then for the next trait, this is, again, not the one you swap out of. Each time an attack is made against the unit with this adaptation, excluding synapse units, you have many transhumans. So a wound roll of one through two fails. So even the things that are not synapse units, so if you're taking Gaunts, for Mm -hmm. example, Mm -hmm. then you're potentially T3, but guess what? It doesn't matter. Those twos on your strength six weapons still fail. And the value to me in that, and and people might look at that and be like, okay, that's cool, that's great, whatever, or whatever your thoughts on that. It's the fact that you have to, you're taking value away from your opponent, right? Because now they're shooting at you with a certain type of weaponry or a certain unit that they've had planned to do a job for them in their mission, and they have to spend it on this. And it's it's good to just kind of tax your opponents in that way with these little free. Um, defensive buffs that kick in and, and really don't cost you anything so yeah absolutely so their hyper adaptation which is the adaptations they can switch out of are not lurk thankfully yeah. it is a uh, feed and hunt but their adaptive traits this is the one you start with that you would switch out if you want to switch into either of those is each time a unit with this adaptation is selected to shoot or fight you can re-roll one hit roll when resolving that attack that's pretty good pretty solid yeah, so if they if they don't feel like they need the feed or hunt, I mean right. they'll they'll take a hit roll every time they do anything. 
if you're going against uh, an army that's going to turn off your hit rolls, you know, maybe swap. But if yeah. um, that's not the case, it's, you know, it could be useful. And Absolutely. Again, if you're swinging big, big bugs with four or five attacks or six attacks, each one of those is important. And if you can utilize it, use it. For sure. For the Warlord trait, we have perfectly adapted. Once per battle round, you can reroll one of the following rolls made for this Warlord. A hit roll, a wound roll, a damage roll, an advance roll, a charge roll, a psychic test, or a saving throw. So just just once per, per, per battle round, you just get a free reroll on any of those things. And guess what? Everything I named was everything you can roll. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's pretty, that's actually a pretty good Warlord trait. Yeah, I, good. I like that I a lot. I do like that one a lot, too. Um, next for the psychic power, we have Hive Nexus. Hive Nexus has a warp charge value of 7. If manifested, select a friendly Leviathan unit within synaptic link range, which is the board, and we'll get to that yeah. later. <laughs> yeah. uh, of this psyker, and select one synaptic imperative ability of a friendly Leviathan synapse model. Um, that is also within synaptic link range, which again is going to be the board, and y'all will understand why later. Until the start of your next turn, that unit benefits from the, the synapse model synaptic imperative ability as if it was active for your army. So we'll get to it later in what my favorites are, but what so everyone can digest this right now. The synaptic imperative abilities are if you take certain models in your army, you have an ability that basically once per game, as long as that model's still alive. <clears throat> and we'll get to, there's a strat that doesn't care if that model's still alive, of course. <laughs> if that model's still alive, you get to, in your command phase, pop this army-wide ability for everything that is within six of a synapse creature. Yeah. And there, there are various other... So this psychic power, again, you're happy that you have it, is the toolbox. Uh, you can essentially say, I can fall back and charge this turn mm-hmm. because I have the corresponding... Uh, synapse creature on the board that has this imperative right. even though i am not popping the imperative right now yeah so it's cool it's it those are your like ad mech protocols or mm-hmm. your your necron protocols so it, it is nice to have a psychic power that it's kind of like the uh custody shield host thing where they could swap into swap. another shield yep. host yeah. uh granted now they can only do that once per entire game Ouch. but yeah. <laughs> yeah. and this psychic power lets you do it every Any psychic turn? phase as long as you can cast it right oh yeah okay yeah yep I mean, next <laughs> tool, toolbox stuff is great i that's I'm, I'm always a big fan that. because it puts a lot in the hands of the player to play those toolboxes correctly. Exactly. And that's always a fun way to play the game, yeah. right? It feels yeah. good when you won because you made the right decisions. And it feels good when you lose too because you're going to learn the next time. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, next, we have the bio artifact relic that it is preceptic node. In the reinforcement steps of your opponent's movement phase, each time an enemy unit is set up as reinforcements within 18 inches of the bear, you can select one friendly Leviathan core or character unit within 6 inches of the bear and shoot as if it was your shooting phase. That's it's a marine thing too, right? Yep, that's a pretty, uh, pretty um, uh, important little little trick there. Now, I don't know that you're ever taking this because it's very situational. No, that's not something you're going to tech for. But absolutely happens, not. It's, it could be, you know, sometimes it's a, it's a feels bad on a, like a, I remember, um, we're going speaking of Dallas. Yeah. I had a mirror match against death watch and, uh, just, you know, like two or three months into the game. I'm like, let me just deep strike these dudes right here in the back of the line. And there's, you know, a three man or a five man eradicator squad sitting on his back point. And, and I you just, just got blasted. I just set my guys down and then I picked them back up, you know, and <laughs> it happens. 
Yeah, I again, I it's so situational. I don't know if anyone's taking it. It would be right. better if it was a strat, obviously. Yeah, for sure. Um, next, we have combined assault, which is their stratagem. Is one command point. Use the stratagem in the five phase. Select one enemy unit with an engagement range of two or more Leviathan units from your army. Until the end of the phase, each time a Leviathan model makes a melee attack against the enemy unit, you get an extra point of AP on those attacks. So... If something, if you position in such a way that someone has to charge two units, you get extra AP for one of those units. I was going to ask, is it just the one unit? Uh, or will both of the units that no, are involved? No, each time a Leviathan model. So both the units okay. that are involved. So that's cool. But I mean, again, it's a real positioning type of thing. This is one of those things where you tell your, you, you position in such a way and you tell your opponent, just so you know, I get extra AP if you charge both. Right. Does it... Makes them maybe position weirdly. Does it matter if you bring weirdly. two of the same, of, like say you're the Nids player and you bring two units into the same... Uh, target do that does that work that way as the offense uh offenser from that one oh yes absolutely i'm making up words now but yeah Yeah, it it is any five phase where in which an enemy is engaged with two yeah that's that's pretty cool again situational you you can tech into it you can uh we know with armor of contempt a lot of armies are now getting that extra uh reducing of ap so if it is something that brings you back to them uh having to save on sixes or fives or whatever then you you're you're happy you have this random situational right yeah yeah you need the ap for that really leviathan what you're taking is a lot of the people i i and i know being on a team and everything a lot of people are teching into the high strength shots that they may have packed back up during the mass shots sort of metagame we just saw. Mm-hmm. And now that these high strength shots are coming back out, the Tyranid player may want just, I don't know, army-wide trans human. Yes. <laughs> so yes. Leviathan grants them that opportunity, right? Yeah. The last high fleet that we're going to cover, and, and, and I want to stress, really read through the Tyranid book because all of these are choices. Mm. And I wouldn't doubt that you play against... Jormungandr or whatever yeah, you know all yeah, these weird yeah, eye sure. fleets the Hy- hydra chronos like they're all very interesting yeah uh i just kind of plucked out some of the more interesting right. ones right uh so for gorgon in their high fleet adaptation their their main trait is each time an attack is made by a model with this adaptation against a unit excluding vehicles or titanic uh so works great in the mirror mm-hmm. an unmodified wound roll of a four plus is always successful that's pretty cool. Yeah, so sort of the reverse transhuman, yeah, right? It's a, you you can't make me do that? worse. Um, I believe there's weapons that have ability. I mean, right. we there's so, poison stuff. Well, and there's the being a Harlequin player, we still have the pivotal role for you always wound on a yes, two plus, right, except right. against vehicles and monsters, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then their adaptive trait, which they can switch out for the feed or lurk biomorphologies, is each time a unit with this adaptation is selected to shoot or fight, you can reroll a wound roll. It's very salamanders like. Yeah, well, and it's it's very good when you always wound on a four plus. Right. But if your opponent is playing a lot of vehicle or Titanic units, you may want this more. You may want it less depending on the matchups, and then right. boom, you just switch into cool. Now I'm obsec everywhere. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I was like, having lurk again is very huge with that. Yeah. For their warlord trait, we have lethal miasma. At the start of the five phase, roll one d six for every enemy unit within three inches of the warlord on. Every yeah, every enemy unit. Um, on a two through five, that enemy unit suffers one mortal wound. On a six, they suffer D three. You're never going to take this. No, this it's is not not particularly amazing. Very situational. I could see it being cool if you're not really worried about match play and you just sort of want to be like, hey, this is my my warlord. And I'm just going to run him. I've, I've decked him out with a million ways to do mortal yeah, wounds or whatever. Fun, but you know, 
Yeah, not you're you're not going to see it on the tournament circuit for sure. Absolutely. Uh, their psychic power is poisonous influence. So it has a warp charge value of seven. If manifested, select a friendly Gorgon unit within synaptic link range of the Psyker. Until the start of your next psychic phase, each time a model in that unit makes a melee attack, an unmodified wound roll of a six inflicts one mortal wound in addition to a max of six. Very good. Oh, especially with, with mass output, high volume. Warriors. Max it out. Yeah. You're going to max that out. Six six mortals is, is tough for anybody to fight against unless you're packing feel no pains and specific things that can combat that that's kind of i feel like that's a big shift in the meta as well and i mean i'm not a genius i'm not calling out anything nobody knows but it sucks getting killed by mortals <laughs> well and we're gonna find out so again you're like when are we reaching the max on this we're gonna find out that later um there is a type of carnifex that has 10 attacks per base and can be taken in units of three Ugh. That is <laughs> yeah, so so thirty attacks will will probably reach that cap, especially with any access to some sort of reroll. And don't worry, card effects are core. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. uh, yeah, I know. I know just okay. just in time for them to nerf my void weavers that oh. are not core. Uh, <laughs> oh man. Oh man. Uh, so real quick before we continue, I I just want to put icing on the top, and we're gonna talk about them more later because there's so much more to that data sheet. But uh, that card effects with 10 attacks that I just talked about also has a strength 8 screaming gun on it that is very good uh, and also is only 115 points of base. That's nasty. Yeah, we'll get into the rest of its characteristics later because it's definitely one of the data sheets I wrote down because you're going to see a lot of card yeah, effects card on the board. are going to be wild, running around everywhere. Yep. Next, next for their relic, we have the hy- hypermorphic biology. You add one to the toughness characteristic of the bear, and if the bear bear's characteristics could change as they suffer damage, they are considered to have double the amount of wounds remaining. So, where I see this is a uh, turvagon. Turvagons oh, yeah. are the HQ that can be taken. That is toughness eight. You take it to toughness nine with this. That's pretty good. And it degrades. It has, I think, 15, 16 wounds. I was going to say, that's one of the things that definitely is going to run on a bracket there. And that's important for that. It's, yeah, if you can find the T9, that's, ooh, that's spicy. And yeah. That's tough. Absolutely. Um, next, we have hypertoxicity. It is a one command point stratagem. Use the stratagem in the five phase when a Gorgon toxin sacks unit. Those are point by upgrades on some of the units. Right. Um, from your army is selected to fight until the end of the phase each time a toxin sacks model in that unit makes a melee attack an unmodified hit roll of a five plus auto wounds the target yeah that's... I'm, a, I'm a fan of auto wounding things as well as we all know <laughs> yeah. yeah i was talking to steven about this recently and he was uh he's going gorgon so he was pointing out that one is one he's definitely interested in as well yeah gorgon to me has a lot of melee output right. it's definitely there's definitely a lot of power there so be be on the lookout for behemoth leviathan or gorgon and like i said make sure you you study up on the rest because i could easily see someone taking chronos i could oh, see someone sure. taking a custom which the way the custom traits work is uh for anyone that doesn't know the biomorphologies you pick to a, a trait from one biomorphology right. you pick a trait from another and then the third is your swap out yeah and you you pick one of the first two to be your swap out trait right yep that's cool yeah it's very customizable it's it's nice next we're going to go to the stratagems we the which <clears throat> which start on page 62 i've written down a few stratagems for us to go over they're some of the ones that i read and i was like wow that exists so <laughs> yeah. um First one is Voracious Appetite. It is a one command point stratagem. Use the stratagem in the fight phase when a hive tendril monster, which is pretty much all of them, uh, from your army is selected to fight until the end of the phase, it can re-roll the wound roll. 
One command point. Yeah, that's very powerful. It's incredibly powerful and... You're going to see it every time. You're going to see it. You're definitely going to see that. That's going to happen a lot. The the shift in the meta recently with turning off hit rerolls and now certain things are turning off wound rerolls. Um, right in my head, I, I mean, this isn't the case for everybody, but immediately my brain pops to the new Salamanders buff that we got in the data sheet. No rerolling wounds. So again, if that's a thing that your army has access to, you're going to see this. People are going to, that's a very powerful uh, offensive tool. So if you can combat that in any way, you might need to think about that. Absolutely. And then we have reinforced hive node. It is one command point slash two command points. Use the stratagem in any phase when a Tyranid warriors or Tyranid prime unit from your army is selected as the target of an attack. Until the end of the phase, each time an attack is allocated to it, subtract one from the uh, damage characteristic of that attack. So just minus one damage against Tyranid warriors. It has a model restriction on what it costs. But yeah, minus one damage on... Three three wounds a base can really do a lot for the tier. Oh, it's player. huge! I I have the experience of having three wound models that I somehow get down to two damage a piece, even with a feel no pain that you know nerfs a three damage shot or something. But that's huge. Next bases life is big. Absolutely. Next, we have Indomitable Monstrosity is one command point. Use this stratagem in any phase when a Hive Tendril monster, again, pretty much all of them, from your army is selected as the target of an attack. Until the end of the phase, each time an attack is made against that unit, an unmodified wound roll of one through three fails. Mm, yep. yep. So <laughs> even if they even if they are not in the Leviathan there, they still have one CP transhuman. That's pretty That's good. One CP transhuman specifically on monsters. That's... Oh. <laughs> that's insane <laughs> it's it's weird too to think about i don't want to get us off track but to yeah think about like custodies taking nerfs in such a way where these similar type of rules that they have are now nerfed down to like once per game right yeah so, or their transhuman is like they really limited what it can go on now exactly. and stuff like yeah. that and it's or just like more expensive the the, the tyranid book says Make sure you're only transhumaning the best models in your army. Yeah. Right? yeah. It's like, the only ones you're probably going to use this on, this is the ones you can use it on. Your whole army. Yeah. Because you're going to take a bunch of monsters. I'm never mad about new rules or armies getting cool things, but it does, you know, make you wonder, like, how long is that going to be around, really? Like, if yeah. it, if it proves to be broken. If the only answer thing- to the army is strength eight or above weapons, then, like, this one CP stratagem could just bring Tyranids farther and above everything else. Oh, now you now no yes. army has have answers. My yeah. my strength twelve void weavers that now I can only take three of because yeah. there's no way I'm taking more. No. But like strength strength twelve void weavers like cool. Now I'm winning on fourth. Yeah, maybe knights. Gonna, <laughs> maybe knights will be the only thing that can deal with it when they come out next. You're right. <laughs> And then uh, next we have Power of the Hive Mind. Is a one command point. Use the strategy in a psychic phase. Select a hive tendril psyker from your unit from your army. Till the end of the phase, it can attempt a one additional power. Yeah. That's good. A lot of yeah. them are going to cast pretty much every power they know except for smite. So this may be a pocket smite. One command point just to clean something up. But. Yeah, I can see its use there. And it's, again, uh, my personal favorite way to play any game is the toolbox style. So I, I appreciate it. Next, we have Death Frenzy. It is two command points. Use the stratagem in the fight phase when a Hive Tendril character model from your army that has not already been selected to fight this phase is destroyed. Instead of using any rules that are triggered if it is destroyed, so it doesn't get to make its Death Rose explosion roll or anything mm, like that. Right. You don't remove it from play. It can fight. Uh, when making those attacks, if the destroyed model's characteristics changes, they suffer damage. That model is considered to have its full wounds. 
That's good. That's the important part right there. Yeah. So I, this is another reason that and I actually have people blowing up my phone because I just posted up a league. And now people are asking why in the league I said no Leviathan, no Crusher until they say otherwise. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a few people that I can tell are upset. This strat exists in one in the Crusher's supplement. Right. So, so again, we're starting to look at, if you look at it in the scope of why would two of these exist, and we're going to get to it, there is one where you deal mortals on the charge. Right. Why would they want that in the Crusher one to exist? Why would they want 12 mortals before you make any attacks? And I harp a little bit on it with going to the, the um, biomorphology and lurk. Like, that to me is... Again, stratagem. The, the obsec is that's the kind crusher. of the way to do that with crusher, right? Yeah, that's sort of the, the Leviathan supplement. You have exactly. the strat for that. Well, now you just have a free thing you can switch out into. Right, which is why if would you're both make exist? Crusher, that's kind of how that happened anyway. So yeah. Uh, next, we have synaptic channeling. One command point. Use this stratagem in your psychic phase. Select a high fleet psyker from your army until the end of that phase. That unit knows all psychic powers of all psychers, uh, all friendly psychers on your battlefield. That's cool. I mean, again, it's it's a useful thing, and it's a very to me. I see it being important if you get caught out of position, and you need something to happen on a certain yeah. part of the board, and it's just drop the really, cap from a drink. Not really going the way you you your plan is working, but you need to make it happen over here. You know, it's again a useful tool. Next, we have Synaptic Legacy, one command point. Use the stratagem at the start of the battle round when selecting a Synaptic Imperative ability to be active for your army. So that's when you say once per game, this guy's on the battlefield. I'm going to pop this ability for this army-wide ability, right? If your Warlord is on the battlefield and has the Hive Tendril keyword, then this turn you can select the Synaptic Imperative ability of a destroyed model from your army instead of one that is on the battlefield. Note that uh, unless otherwise allowed, you cannot select the ability that has already been selected. Right. So basically, if if you weren't anticipating it and something died that had an important imperative for your army, you get to one command point and still use it even though they're dead. Yeah. I, again, I like that. And it's... It's cool. It's uh, not something you want to like rely on. Like, oh man, my my unit died. <laughs> you know, let me still you know make sure I can do that thing. But right. It's important if that is the only way you're going to be able to get that game plan to go off successfully. Right. And that somebody maybe you've played against the same opponent a couple times and they just nerf out your your big unit right away that you're counting on. And then, okay, well I still have a backup. That's, yeah. That's important. Next we have uh, trampling charge. One command point, use the stratagem in the charge phase when a Hive Tendril monster unit from your army finishes a charge move and <clears throat> select an un- enemy unit that is within engagement range of the monster and roll 1d6. On a 2 through 4, um, if the monster that if your monster has the Horn Chitin keyword, on a 2 through 4, the enemy suffers 3 mortal wounds. On a 5, it suffers d3 plus 3. I, if the monster does not have that keyword, on a 2 through 4, they suffer D3 mortal wounds. On a 5 plus, they suffer flat 3. So this is what I was talking about. Yeah. You you have... The, to me, this is a fixed version I, uh, of 100%. the other one, right? You can still get your 6. Um, I think it's as you were reading it, I was like, oh, this is the new thing that's fair. This yeah, is this like is the new bit. version of an ability that already exists. I don't think in any world they wanted two command points still potentially 12 morals. No, it's just silly. Yeah. It's silly. But but this is I like the way this this is worded too, right? If you have the right guy and you pop the five up and then you roll hot, you can still get your six. Yeah, you know, um, it's cool. 
We have our normal strats on that page as well for your extra relic, extra warlord right. trade, all the all the standard stuff they, they also have. Next, on page 64, we have Overrun. Use the stratagem at the end of the fight phase. Select a hive tendril unit from your army that made a charge move this turn. If there are no enemy models within engagement range, so if they bodied the unit, the unit's no longer there, models in that unit can make a normal move instead of consolidating. Oh. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Winged hive tyrant jumps in, oh. kills something, disappears. That's that's huge. Okay, so as I'm hearing that, I want to make sure I'm getting this right. It's a normal move instead of consolidate. So it doesn't have to be towards the closest enemy model? Correct. Oh, that's huge. Oh, man. If you jump in and kill something, all right, cool. Now I'm going to fly over here, potentially 10, 12, whatever. So, so Harlequins, they took this out of the new book. Oh, that's... This was an old Harlequin strat. Yes, I remember. Because yeah. I remember that was the thing that you... You got to make a full me. normal you move. You go anywhere. And you, you so the bikes me. would be like, cool, I'm 16 inches over here. Now, yeah. now a winged hive tyrant gets to be like, cool, I'm like 12 or 14 inches opposite direction on to another point yeah it's awesome that's really good and guess what i switched out in the lurk and he's opsec so I, yeah. I got to trade and still take a point oh yep yeah yeah pretty I like that pretty lot. good uh we have shard lure for one command point use the stratagem in the shooting phase when a ranged attack made by a model with a uh in a synapse unit from your army scores a hit against the enemy until the end of the turn, each time a friendly high fleet unit declares a charge, if that enemy unit is one of the targets of the charge, you get to roll one additional d6 and discard a die on the charge roll. So basically, as long as you hit something, so say you had a high power shot hit a knight, and you have multiple things now charging that knight, everything that charges that knight gets 3d6 to charge, removing a die. Whew, that's Those are the kind of cool stratagems that when you get that to go successfully, if you've like spent a turn prepping, right? And now you've got three units right here ready to bombard this big fella and it goes off. That's going to be really, really sweet. Absolutely. It's going to be fun. Next, we have Encircle the Prey. This is another one. So I want you to imagine that your winged hive tyrant did not kill the unit it ran into. The dice didn't go your way. You don't then get to just run away because it says there has to be no enemy model, so you don't get to overrun. Sucks, right? Encircle the prey, one command point. Use the stratagem at the end of your turn. Select one burrower's unit or a unit that can fly from your army. Remove it from the battlefield and bring it back down next turn. (laughs) Okay, so timing. Uh, I might have missed that in the very beginning of it. It's at the end of your turn. Okay, so, all right, that's... They still get to fight you back. That still gets you to fight you, but that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> you just get to disappear off the face of the I earth. still love those abilities, right? And again, I'm, I'm sure, I'm not trying to bore anybody out there with Death Watch stuff, but we have a battlefield teleportation that I have to spend a CP on. But again, that's so huge, and the biggest thing to do that is pulling a unit out of combat, right, without having to take a fallback or to, to whatever. Yeah. And, and then a free deep strike out of it, That's that's great. Dude, it, it, it's it's insane to me. And like Connor had pointed this out earlier today, it was like he literally said the same thing I just said. It was like, cool. So you didn't kill the thing you ran into. You're gone now. I'm out. Later. <laughs> <laughs> or or in all reality, too. Um, imagine because, and we'll get to it. Gargoyles are troops now. Yeah. The the wing the winged little kind of yeah. hormigant looking models. Yeah. So you can drop down R and D. Pick them back up. Yep. Go you know, somewhere else. Yeah. You now, and, and because of the timing, um, at the end of your turn, so it's, I, I believe it's after the action's completed, even. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh man. I'm yeah. almost positive that that's after the action's completed. 
Because you're the active player, you get to pick the timing. Which yeah, that's how say, everything way, else works. Yeah, yeah. The, the way the stack would work of that. You know, yeah, that's again. that's wild. Man, it's, <laughs> it's very cool. It's yeah. very cool. It, it, it's it's extremely cool. A lot of these, I, I plucked these out. There's a lot more strats. A lot of these are, are so, like Brian has been saying, it's super toolboxy. Yes. And uh, I've kind of tried to pick out the, like, here are the ones you're probably going to see or at least be aware of that your opponent can do. Like, you're like, oh, I can I could probably tank the Hive Tyrant and then maybe deal some damage to it back, fall back, do some stuff next turn. No, it can disappear if the player wants it to. Right, so right, yeah. Don't, don't, don't plan around these sort of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of, you know, and, and the best, best that you can, just find your way to kind of like body them as much as you can, you know. <laughs> um, next we have the Blinding Venom, which is going to be on page 65. So Blinding Venom is one command point. Use the stratagem at the start of the fight phase. Select an enemy unit with an engagement range of any gargoyles from your army. Each time a model in that unit makes an attack, the hit roll cannot be rerolled, so they can't reroll against your gargoyles. Each time a model in that unit makes a melee attack, you also subtract one from the hit roll. So minus one, and Ooh. you can't reroll. You turn your gargoyles into troops. Oh, uh, man. They're harlequins. That's the thing. That's Which even gonna... harlequin troops you can reroll against, so this is just better. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna, uh, that's, that's the thing. Immediately when you hear that, right, you think about your army and what that does to your army. And like, what's my best unit that I'm going to use to kill this? And then now, okay, well, minus one, hit that, and can you re-roll anymore? No. So, like, ooh, that turns my almost assured kill into I'm leaving four of your models back, you know, like, still on the board. Absolutely. It's it's a huge thing. And and if you're not prepared for that, you will be taken by surprise when you go and do that. And they still, oh, okay, well, I'm going to go over here and do something else on my next turn with this unit that you didn't finish off. Yeah. It, it's... And and the reason I plucked that one out is to just again it, it's an awareness thing. Don't right. think that you just put chapter master rerolls on something right. and they're going to run in and clean up those gargoyles because this they is, might not. <laughs> yeah, this is um, leading me to uh, one of the things that I was going to bring up as a point, or maybe save it for another podcast or something later on down the road, or you can use this or whatever. But um, one thing to think about is like a small list of questions that you want to make sure you ask each opponent. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And like and now in day in today's meta, uh, do you have any ways to turn off my rerolls? Do you have yes. like, more wounds? Do you have any ways to prevent me from falling back? Can you move when I charge you? Stuff like that, right? And there's a lot of that that we're seeing out of this codex in different ways that the nid player can choose to use it when they want, and that's great. So yeah, so or sure. or like. Oh, you have that guy in your list. What synaptic imperative does he give you? Yes. You know, like right, the, yeah. those are the little things that like you need to get used to asking your opponent because going in this nid book with how much is going on, yeah. you're, you, you need to book. just get clarification. You don't need to know everybody else's army. Again, every good competitive player will tell you, learn your army, right? Learn your army. But yeah. to know like, hey, I'm going against nids. Do you, can you move into lurk? Can you make your guys upset? Yeah. Right? Like that might be important to know. You don't need to know everything, but. Yeah, I know I would like to make sure before I deploy a certain way that I'm not just thinking I can take points from you. Exactly. Yeah. Right. 100%. <laughs> uh, and then the last one that we have to cover is Pathogenic Slime. One, one slash two command points. Use this stratagem in your shooting phase when a Hive Tendril unit from your army is selected to shoot. Until the end of the phase, each time a model in that unit makes an attack, an unmodified hit roll of six auto wounds the target. If it has the Toxin Sacks keyword, it costs one. Otherwise, this stratagem costs two. Right. So you could point by the stratagem costing one. Uh, really, the, to me, this was, this was big on a... Uh, if you're able to give a mass amount of firepower, right. the ability for this strat 
to be active, so any of your hive tendril units, mm-hmm. then suddenly you're looking at just an extra bit of efficiency. And so that's another thing to be aware of. You may think that you'll survive the shooting, and then suddenly one command point your opponent got, I, I don't even know what the math is, 33% more efficiency or whatever, yeah. depending on what the yeah. target is. And so. if they're playing it right and it's like an auto-wound type of thing and they they just have happen to be shooting into something with higher toughness and that's not going to matter as much, it's... It's a swing. It could be yeah. a swing. Next, we have adaptive physiologies on page 67. So adaptive physiologies, every codex has seen this. These are your point by upgrades. Yep. For whatever unit they pertain to, you can then spend the points that are here on the chart to give these abilities to the corresponding unit, right? Um, the big thing on these, and, the, and we'll kind of cover this. I wrote down four. Uh, there's, I think, eight here, and a lot of them are not great. Right. So there, there's a little shining light at the end of the tunnel that at least the point by upgrades were not the most amazing thing. Mm-hmm. Your opponent, your Tyranid opponent then gets to not take these and just pack more Carnifexes in their list. <laughs> so, <laughs> Everybody's happy. So we're going to cover the ones that are great and you will see in lists. The first one is Dermic Symbiosis. Mm-hmm. Dermic Symbiosis is 25 points and uh, pretty, pretty cut and dry. This model has a four up end wall. Very good. So the the thing to note with adaptive physiologies is they can pertain to any monster unit in your army except for characters or titanic models. Right. So that's the um, there was something about in in, like, in in the back of the book it says named characters. So this says characters, and the Warhammer Community article also just said characters. Yeah, right. So obviously, and again, this game is more of a like a restrictive rules type of game, right? So you would definitely go with the thing that says it's only on characters, not the named characters. There's also not many named characters in this book, so that yeah. all, that also makes sense. That yeah, for sure. For you, sure. You, they don't want old one eye getting <laughs> this yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So yeah, just just a base four up end will. Uh, Great. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's the standard, right? Yeah. That's the, the standard good and well. Next, we have Predator Instincts. So Predator Instincts is going to be 15-point upgrade, so fairly cheap upgrade. And it is, um, I, I think any army would pay 15 points for any unit to be able to do this. And here's why. This model can perform a heroic intervention as if it were a character, and it does it within six inches. Uh, that's amazing. 100%. 15 points for a six-inch heroic I would, intervention. I would, I, would, I would gladly give. I, I mean... I'd put that on everything. <laughs> not, trying be, not trying to be silly, but for 20 points, maybe even 25, if I could pay that for a unit to do a six-inch interview, I, I'd consider it. Yeah. For sure. Well, and this all this is another way that Tyranids will have. The reason I plucked this one out is because it's another way that they can sit on the edge of a point, and, then, and, and even if they didn't take OPSEC or their Leviathan, they couldn't take Lurk or whatever, they, they get to just exist and still trade into you if you think that you're just going to park OPSEC on the point. Oh, you're not. Oh, for sure. Absolutely not. For sure. And movement is the key. Six inches is huge on that note. And I mean, like some of us are big math nerds. I'm not, you know, so great at it, but, uh, you know, I played a game against Jason, our our Eldar buddy from the team or from the store here. Yeah. And he's that guy who's so smart and quick. He rolls out the tape measure. He goes, okay, well, I'm moving 12 inches here. And from the the mission we're playing, that gives you six inches on this side of the board and blah, blah, blah. You know, they just know all the stats and that. Yeah. If you're playing against a guy like that, which some of you out there listening to this are those guys. You're good and you're smart like this. That's just going to make you see the board in a different light where things are highlighted like, ooh, I can just park this model right here and then I'm protected in this way because I know that I can go ahead and move when they come close to me. And that's going to just throw opponents off so hardcore. 
Well, and that's that's what I realized the other day is, and because I'm I am very math brained. Yes. Yeah. What I realized the other day when I was playtesting, I got in a bunch of games this past weekend, um, prepping for Dallas. So, and this is important to me with my solitaire and the true master that gets plus six to his charge for no reason yeah. and all that, all that dumb stuff. Uh, the average deployment, unless it is a quartered board or one of the weird angled boards, the average deployment zones are 22 inches apart from each other. Right. Just found that out. Oh, yeah. Well, if you think of the 10-inch back line, and then that makes... Yeah. yeah and then So every... every every uh, Well, it's every Dawn of War and every Hammer and Nimble. Oh, yeah. I guess yeah. from the... Because they're like 18 inches deployment yeah, zones yeah. on the Hammer and okay. Nimbles. It's, yeah. yeah. It was just... But, but that, to me, then made me realize, I was like, cool... So my solitaire and true master can easily cover that ground, right. especially true master exactly. jumping three out of a bow, D three right. plus three, yeah. all the dumb stuff. Oh yeah, but it, it's those little measurements and that little minutia is a really important part uh, and should be an important part of your game plan. And so this is a huge thing. So like me, if I were to combat this, right? Because mm-hmm. that's that's where I want this aimed at. It, uh, tons of people have seen Tyranid Codex, For Tyranid sure. players. Like like we said, they already know what they're they playing. Know this, yeah. Yeah. So if you're someone combating this, so my perspective, like the, as the Harlequins player, I could jump a unit out of a boat, move them to the edge of the objective, and then move the boat over them to the midpoint of the objective so that the yeah. monster would have to intervene into the boat, right? So now I'm playing off of their restrictions. That's a good tactic. Yeah, I like that. Right? So then I still have OPSEC on the point. See, me, unfortunately, me thinking about this, knowing there's a six that's intervening, if I touch the neoprene mat, I'm getting charged by <laughs> yeah. a big bug. That makes me think, well, like, dang, I really have to strategize my movement the turn beforehand so that I can get that thing dead in shooting and just move on to the point and not have to worry about, well, my only way to get on the point is to charge into this bug or to just inch onto this here and then I'm going to get killed. No, man, I got to clear that thing first. Yeah, and that's the thing I always, I've gotten really good about asking is asking my opponent, do you have any way for a three-inch heroic intervention? Do you have any way for a six? That's another thing. That, that's, that might be a whole podcast is question. <laughs> thing, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. yeah absolutely. Uh, next, we have synaptic enhancement. Um, synaptic enhancement is a 10 point point by upgrade and this blows my mind this is the one that like boggles me so we have you can intervene within six for 15 points Mm -hmm. and for 10 points you can have a model gain the shadow and the warp keyword that's where they like mess with their opponent's psychic test right right and they get the synapse keyword that just turns something into a telephone pole yeah. So it just it just yep. it, it for ten points something that the only probably one of the only thing in your list that is not synapse now is it, it, that to me is insane for when we talk about the range of abilities. Right. I and, really do see the value in that as as being a guy who's played against Tyranids quite a bit. Some of you might have had the same experience and played a lot of t- a lot of Nids, and you know how important it is when it's turn three and that unit that's been in the backfield that you just haven't been able to get to is sending a buff around the board that's going to kill your guys on the front line yeah and you're man if i could just stop that there but that's how he's sending it with the ability again to just kind of pick and choose like hey this is where i need this and let me erect this telephone pole right here in the middle of the battle yeah get that across it's huge it's important Next we have, uh, and the last one I've written down is, for 15 points, Voracious Ammunition. It's an awesome name. Everything is, like, super, this is one of those codexes where, like, everything is super metal. Oh, Oh, it should be. (laughs) Uh, Voracious Ammunition, uh, which could easily be a Metallica, you know, album name. (laughs) Each time this model shoots, after it is finished making its attacks, select one unit that was hit by one or more of those attacks, roll a d6 on a 2+, plus that suffers d3 mortal wounds. 
pretty good. Every time you shoot, Extra as long strength. as something hit, it doesn't need a wound. It they yeah. could have gotten saved against. Cool, D3 on top. Just yeah. a smite on top of every time I shoot. Yeah, it's pretty nice. I like that. 15 points? I'd I, with, take it. With the ones you pointed out there, I think those are probably things you will see often in common. And, uh, man, you could even nerf nerf up the 6-inch Rogue and it'd be 20 <laughs> points and I'd still be taking it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Next, we're going to go into the Warlord traits. So, as with any book, there are Warlord traits that pertain to a certain unit. The named characters, they have to take them, so on and so forth. We're going to go over every Warlord trait because this is one of the ones where I started. I, I literally, Brian can see it right now. I wrote down Alien Cunning, which is the first one, and I scratched it out and wrote all of them. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> as I read PC, through them, I was like, oh, okay. they're all great. Okay. <laughs> so the first one is Alien cu- Cunning. Uh, this Warlord has OBSEC, the Objective Secured Keyword. This Warlord counts as five models when determining control of an objective marker. And this Warlord can perform an action even if it is advanced or fallen back. Ooh, that I really like. Why did this need three bullet points? <laughs> the, the, that last bullet point alone would have been good. <laughs> like if just, so again, with the way the game is uh, and, and being so action heavy now, that's huge. That's huge. In my Death Watch list, I'm teched into shooting and doing an action. You know, a lot of you out there with your armies have ways to do that and you've teched into it as well. I haven't, I can't think of precedent for advance and charge, or I'm sorry, advance and fall back into an action. Falling back and doing an action, to me, that's huge. Yeah. So huge. Next, we have, uh, especially on the missions where it's like planting a bomb, and then if it's obsec, the bomb completes at the end of your turn rather than the command phase. Oh my God. Oh man. (laughs) They're not going to be able to stop you. You'll get a bomb every turn. That's insane. Uh, As long as you live, yeah. Yeah. Um, next, we have heightened senses. At the start of the fight phase, if the warlord is within engagement range of any enemy units, it fights first. Nice. Each time this warlord makes an attack, you re-roll the hit roll. Nice. So I like this one for re-rolling the hit roll because, uh, trust me, you already had fight first because you charged. Yes. <laughs> Nine times out of ten. <laughs> yeah. And again, against the meta, that could be a, a not great thing, but whatever. I mean, yeah. when you do have it, it's amazing. Re-rolls to hit, yeah. I mean. When you have it, it's amazing. Next, we have synaptic linchpin. Um... Add three inches to the range of this Warlord's aura abilities and synaptic imperative abilities. And each time this Warlord uses an ability in your command phase that specifies a range, add three inches to that range. Mm. Yeah. Situationally good. You're going to love it everywhere where you have it. This is very similar to the Shadowstone Relic in Harlequin. So adding three inches to your aura abilities and psychic tests. Yeah. This is, this is. This is basically all that, so if you feel like you need that range increase and it's all a positional game and stuff like that, I mean, it's, it's and, good. And, you know, as they say, you know, like, uh, stuff can happen that throws off your game plan, so you might not be in the exact position you thought. Or you might be, fight, you know, going against somebody who's really good and also on a very fast army, maybe Harlequins, and they've got their stuff screening you, right? So it, it could be a thing where you're like, man, I'm two inches short from this synapse buff or my yeah. spell. And, oh, okay, here we go. Next, we have direct guidance. In your command phase, you select a friendly core unit within synaptic link range of the warlord. So that's the board. Mm, yep. <laughs> Until the start of your next command phase, each time a model in that unit makes an attack, add one to the attacks hit roll. Yeah. So plus one to hit to a basically every command phase instead of like chapter master rerolls, you just point and click at a unit and say they're plus one. I'm personally almost liking that more nowadays. Yeah. As as the way to go. Um. 
because there are so many things that can turn off rerolls. So, okay, well, if I can't reroll against you, I might as well hit you on the very best thing I can hit you on. Yeah. So, Go from threes to twos on a warrior unit, so on and so forth. Yeah. Same, right? It's almost the same. Next, we have Synaptic Tendrils. In your command phase, if this Warlord has one of the following abilities, it can use that ability one additional time that phase. Uh, it lists the abilities Alpha Warrior, Bio Impulses, Brood Progenitor, Vicious Insight, Warp Siphon, Will of the Hive Mind. Uh, the main thing to know about Synaptic Tendrils is it is absolutely the worst on this list. Mm-hmm. Every Tyranid player has come out and been like, just so you know, we're not taking this. Yeah. <laughs> so, so apparently none of those abilities were worth them <laughs> getting to use an additional time uh, especially with how what we've already seen out of these warlord traits you yeah. can only take a finite number of these so yeah, yeah it's it's you're, you're gonna have to be real good to top alien cunning for example mm-hmm. uh next we have adaptive biology each time the warlord would lose a wound roll a d6 on a five plus that wound is not lost who does not like a five plus feel no pain Right. So so there is there's actually multiple ways. Mm. So you can give a Turvagon a five plus feel no pain and make it toughness nine. And 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 make it to where it's it's doesn't degrade. Ooh. Well, double wounds on the degradation. Ooh. Dude. <laughs> what do we what do we even do as normal human beings in this world? Oh man. <laughs> we're, uh, this is what it did. We're this is we're we're passing the bug ton, right? This is the, the bug ton, <laughs> I like that. <laughs> this is the this is the new world we live in, so you need to know how to do it, play against it, right? To, to quote our, our good buddy Joe from War Games Live, he said forty K is in a good place when the Nids and the Orcs are doing good. Yeah. And right now and right now the Nids are doing good, so just we have to suck it up and let them run over us. <laughs> <laughs> well they're not even doing good, but we can assume they will be. Yeah, they absolutely. Be. Um Next, we have the hive mind discipline. I also wrote down all of them, um, and I did the same thing for the relics. So we're going to speed run through these because they're they're all great. Um, the average, from what I've heard from multiple Tyranid players at this point, we had John Lennon on Art of War who had talked about it, and then uh, we had Joey from from our own team. Separate mm-hmm. from that, we're like, yeah, you just take all of these. You have so many psychers, you you double you you can almost double up on all of these abilities. Yeah. And then again, to harp back on to. Um Oh, man. It's the thing we were talking about at the beginning where you could go ahead and get every friendly psychic power on the board. If yeah. Need it, so even the guy that doesn't have, have a specific all, one exactly. has any of them. Yeah, if you need it, it's there. And that's it's a good way to you know have the options. Next, uh, first off, we have Catalyst. This is a holdover from the last book. I, I'm, these are all hold right. o- holdovers, and only some of them change. They actually kept a lot of the best ones. So yeah, right. yep. we have Catalyst. It goes uh, warp charge value of a 6. Uh, you select a friendly high fleet unit within synaptic range of the psyker. So a lot of these psychic abilities, all of them except for one, you actually get to ping pong the psychic power exactly. through your yeah. entire army. Yeah, 24 inches is no longer an issue for you, right? Yeah, yeah. it's the it's the board. So you get to pick a, a high fleet unit. Each time a model in that unit would lose a wound, on a 5+, plus, the wound is not lost. If it is Titanic, it is on a 6. So no longer can they take their 750-point Forge World model and give it a 5-up fill in the It's now a 6. <laughs> yeah, well. But still. It's, <laughs> it's still good. Yeah, 5-up yeah, fill in the super good. You can actually have the adaptive biology from the Warlord traits on, right. like, your Turvagon and then cast this on something else. Now you have 5-up fill in the everywhere on the board. <laughs> yeah, and again, if you really need to just sit there and tank through one turn that could be huge to just get that off and, and sit there and live perhaps you got a thing it's opsec on something who knows it's, yeah it's important next we have the horror uh it goes off on a five you select something within synaptic range or within 24 of the psyker it's an enemy unit uh subtract two from their leadership characteristic and subtract one from combat attrition mm-hmm. again 
it might as well be in your list because you'll never know when you're like, okay, are you going to pay two CP or is that unit going to run away on threes or twos now? And again, um, recently I had a game against Brandon, another one of our teammates using your Harlequins. And I think that was really mainly the first time that me personally, I had to really experience something that was really uh, harping on my leadership. And it was a big deal to go from my units that usually like, oh, okay, well, I lost three guys, so it doesn't even matter yet, you know. But now I lost two guys, and it's like, oh, I really need to roll like a one or a two here. Yeah. And, and that, it's, I, I'm starting to see that more in the game, and I really kind of like that. I want them to make leadership matter. I think it would be so cool <laughs> if there was a whole army that was, you know, something. Slanesh when it comes out or whatever. Right, and it was like, yeah, it, maybe it's really hard for us to kill one or two of your models, but when we do, three more are going to run away. Yeah, absolutely. Next, we have Neuroparasite. Neuroparasite has a warp charge value of 7. If manifested, select an enemy unit within synaptic link range of the Psyker or within 18. Roll 1d6 for each model in that unit. For each roll that exceeds the model's toughness characteristic, that model suffers a mortal wound to to a max of 6. But man, does this just say, kill 6, add max Katari. Yeah, 100%. I mean, yeah. like, yeah, I, I, you're, you're going to, you roll 20 dice in every 4 up. Because their toughness three, yeah, every every yeah. four up is, yeah. yeah, that seems insane. Yeah, any any blob again, you're never gonna feel bad that it's in your list. Yeah. Um, next, we have onslaught. Uh, this is onslaught's ridiculous to me. I think they actually made it technically better. Um, it has a warp charge value of six. You select a friendly high fleet unit again within synaptic. Models in that unit do not suffer the penalty to hit rolls when. Uh, uh, firing assault weapons if they have advanced. They don't suffer the penalty to hit rolls for heavy weapons if they have moved. And they can declare a charge in a turn in which they advanced. That's pretty good. So that's like White Scars, but better because of the heavy caveat as well. Yeah. Um, and it, that again, that just opens up an option to where if you want to put a better, heavier gun for whatever reason on that, that model, then you have another tool there. Well, and, and we, we now live in a world where a winged hive tyrant can move 12 advance on top of its movement advance and charge and then just leave combat because it bodied the unit yeah like that's <laughs> that's leave combat. yeah or ju- it just it, it can leave the board away, or it can or just, just fly run, onto run a point on to another point i know yeah. it's it's this this cool. yeah <laughs> it's cool this is the world we live in uh next we have paroxysm paroxysm has a warp charge value of seven you select an enemy unit within synaptic or 18 of the psyker that unit cannot fire overwatch or set to defend and each time a model in that unit makes melee attract, they get minus one to the wound roll. Ooh. Dude. <laughs> Ooh. Minus one to wound is big. We were just talking about how how big plus one to wound is. Swinging yeah. wounds is, I think, uh, a big deal. Even something hitting one of these, like, T7, T8, T9 monsters and being able, if it's wounding on fives and sixes, you're like, okay, cool. Uh, sixes only. Yeah, now nothing's going to go through. Yeah. Or Blood Angels, where they have plus one to wound you. That's what I was thinking right yeah, now. You just take them, yeah, you just, just take them back to nothing. One of the reasons I stopped messing around so much with White Scars as a potential thing was because at the time I was you know, playing a lot of them or having fun. I'm Death Watch through and through, but you know, yeah, it's yeah. fun to experiment with an army that slaps everyone so well instead of shoots. And as uh, soon as I got into that, everybody's minus one damage. It's like, oh, okay, cool. No, I know I don't do yeah, that. So stuff like that is uh, it's hard to fight through. Next, we have Psychic Scream, which is, again, super cool name. Yeah. <laughs> it uh, goes off on a five. You select an enemy unit within 18 of the Psyker, so no synapse range. Mm. That unit suffers D3. And then if they're a Psyker... 
and your psychic test was higher than their leadership, you get to uh, you randomly pick a power that they that they know, and they no longer know it. Oh wow, that's cool. It's I mean it's situational, and it's <laughs> it's, not it's always... probably never going to happen. But right. uh, th- what this says is that psychic scream is the second spine on your psyker. Yeah, that's cool. It's you're never going to take that and then be planning on like, oh, I need to go and turn off X Y Z superpower so that that their <laughs> game plan is off. Because you feel real good against T Suns and yeah, oh, <laughs> and Grey Knights. If you turned off, oh. you're like Hammerhand. No, <laughs> no more Hammerhand. You can't turn off. Um, What's their to farm points? Oh my gosh, I'm having a brain fart. Uh, right that's an action, so there's okay. no way. Yeah, because they don't know that power. They just do a psychic action. Oh, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, that's not quite the same. But yeah, hammerhead still. That's, <laughs> that's their big thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty hilarious. Next, we have the relics. We have the Yim Girl Factor, which is the new great TV show coming to ABC next mm-hmm. fall. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. At the start of the fight phase, select one of the following. Until the end of the phase, you can add two to the bear's strength characteristic. You can add one to their attack characteristic, or you can add one to their toughness characteristic. That is just at the beginning of every fight phase. You pick one of those. That's kind of cool. I like that's, that. That's a really good toolbox. It gets you out of... The situation that you're in. Exactly. You can say, hey, I need to go ahead and ensure that I kill this thing. Or, hey, I'm going to make sure I'm okay. I'm alive at the end of this. Yeah, Yeah. I like it. Um, Next, we have the Reaper of Obliterax. So this is the one that I I had handed the book to everybody in the room today. And I said, what's your interpretation of this? We all came to the same consensus, thankfully. Mm -hmm. So the Reaper of Obliterax replaces a bone sword or monstrous bone sword. Each time an attack is made with this weapon, if that attack successfully wounds a target, the target suffers one mortal wound in addition to any other damage. Each time an attack is made with this weapon is allocated to an enemy model. That model cannot use any rules to ignore the wounds it loses. So the question is being, when you look at the two bullet points, it is, it can be questionable whether or not a unit gets to the, if they have feel no pains, right? Do they get to then use their feel no pains, their fortune on your avatar of Cain or whatever? Do they get to use their feel no pains against the mortal that happens? No. And, And all pretty much all of our interpretations because it is in addition to the damage. Right. Right? So it counts towards that then second caveat that they don't get to make the field pains. Right, exactly. If it, it, The wording on that is, is as such to where you have to think of that brick of two damage. If you just looked at it whole as in like if everything got through, that brick of two damage is, is one whole continued uh, activation. Or, 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 you know, that's... I don't know the word I'm looking for, yeah. but I think I'm getting it across. So... It's not going to work for that, which is um, it's it's, it's unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> well, in the in and even without that, I I've every sample Tyranid list I've seen has this in it. The exactly. Reaper of Obliterax yeah. is insane. It's immortal on top of any other thing you're doing, and it also wins best name and all the other. Cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We have the Maw Claws of Thyrax. Which does sound like a disease. That's cool. that was the worst thing. <laughs> uh, it is add one to the bear's attack characteristics, which is great. We talked about how the bugs don't necessarily have more attacks in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, and then each time the bear makes a melee attack, you can re-roll the wound roll. So re-rolls to wound, which is great into a meta that doesn't let you re-roll hits. Yep. And then each time the bear destroys an enemy unit as a result of the melee attack, until the end of the battle, the end of the battle, you get to add one to the bear's attack characteristic. To a max of three. That's good. Now, my question that I would 
Does that stack? Oh, to a max of three. So you could do it three different turns and, and stack. Yes, but you still do get the first bullet point, which is add one to the bear's attack characteristic, right. which is completely separate from that ability. So you could <laughs> essentially somehow pull this off on turn one, two, three, and then on turn four. So four you're, yeah, four extra attacks. Which, which you have every rolling wounds, it's lightning claws. Oh, that's amazing. And then yeah. having other ways to do, well, here's another 2d3 extra attacks for this guy. And yeah. That's where those those little corner cases we were discussing earlier where perhaps you can get from wounding on fives to fours against something huge, right? Or perhaps it's from fours to threes. And now oh, you're re-rolling too, and you have more. Important. And there's such high-quality attacks that you want to make sure they go through. Yeah, this that this is why I'm covering all the relics yeah. and the psychic powers. This is the most insane section of the book I think by so far. Too. Yeah. Um, we have Resonance Barb is a psychic model only. Add one to the psychic test taken for the bear, and it gets to know one additional power from the hive mind discipline. This is great on the um, so the uh, neurothrope. Um, the neurothrope already natively has built into the data sheet plus one to cast. Right. So I, I don't know that you're necessarily picking this, but if you're looking for one that is interesting or if you see this in your opponent's list, just know that means that Psyker gets plus one to cast and right. has an additional power. Um, next we have Pathogenesis, which has literally above it two paragraphs of flavor text. Uh, <laughs> um, all it is is you add eight inches to the range characteristic to the range weapons the bear is equipped with. It's great on a walking hive tyrant with a cannon. Oh, yeah. Um, and then we have each time the bear shoots, you get to reroll one hit roll and one wound roll, which is great on That's a good. walking hive tyrant with a cannon. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah. Next, we have the, si- the size of tyrant. Model equipped with two monstrous scything talons only. The relic replaces those and has the following profile. It is plus two strength, minus four AP, three damage. And each time the bearer fights, it makes two additional attacks with this weapon. That's good. Yeah. I, one of the things I like is that they clarified the two additional attacks. So it's yeah. like... Because it replaces both of the scything talons. Right. And the scything talons already give you a plus one apiece. So right. it's just letting you know those don't don't go away. What this is is it's higher AP, higher damage. Exactly. Yeah. And, and getting to flat three is... I think now, almost in a weird way, kind of like the new... Unless you're, like, teching for a million one-damage shots, like, you want to try to get to three. Yeah. Um, next, we have Balethorn Cannon. Uh, is a model equipped with a Stranglethorn Cannon only. Uh, it replaces it, has the following profile. is a blast weapon at 36-inch range. Heavy D3 plus three. Strength 10 minus three AP three damage. Uh, I don't know what takes the Stranglethorn. I believe it's, like, only one of the monsters. Where we're really looking at the hot... Terrible, nasty tech is the shard gullet, mm. which is, yeah, the shard it replaces a heavy venom cannon. It is 36 inches of range, assault three, strength 12, minus five AP, five damage. Okay, so <laughs> off the top of my head, off the top of my head, that's immediately like, okay. There was things that we were talking about earlier to allow you to advance and shoot and still... Do. Not a non-cur penalty. Exactly. So those are things, and again, with the new armor of contempt that everybody knows about. So if you're if you're an Imperium guy you, or, or girl or whatever, you can go, well, okay, that's still 4 AP. Uh, that's still 4 AP. Yeah. And then 5 damage. Oh, 5 damage? Okay, so... I don't have a single infantry model that can withstand any of that. Centurions are going to drop. Bikes are going to drop. Uh, two or All three. the things you clip the storm shields off of are now Every, dead. <laughs> yeah. No more vulnerables, right? So that's that's huge. It's going to feel bad for the Nids player when um, somebody does make a save on that with an invulnerable, especially like a six-up invulnerable orc or something saves one of those. They're going to feel bad, but... 
man, that's pretty good. And it's very spicy with all the other stuff we were talking about to kind of enable that, right? Yeah. And an assault gun, five AP, five damage. And just that alone is cool. But I love the fact that it's assault with all the other stuff we were talking about to enable gameplay, right? Yeah. Who cares how cool the weapon is if you never get to shoot it because you're stuck behind obscuring or somebody gets or gets killed right away first. Now you have tools to use that. Yeah, the design is very clean like throughout that. this entire book. Yeah. Um, next, we have the most disgusting of the relics. Uh, I, I, while Brian was talking, I had read a little bit of the flavor text. I was like, maybe I'll read this so people, you know, because they're going to giggle at home when I start talking about it. Maybe they'll get a feel for it. Uh, I'm going to read just the first sentence because I don't want to read the rest. So is the gestation sack, and here's a little bit of the flavor text so you can kind of grasp it. Embedded within this organism's body is a pulsating sack of membranous flesh and nutrient bioslurry. Slurry. Uh, okay, so what the relic does is once per battle, the bear can perform the following action. Bursting the sack is the oh. name of the action. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that one changes to the new best name. <laughs> At the, wow. At the start of your shooting phase, this model can can start to perform the action. This action is completed at the end of the phase. When it is complete, you set up a Ripper Swarms unit on the battlefield within three of the model and not within engagement range of any enemy units. The Ripper Swarms unit contains D3 plus one models. And if you are playing a game that uses points, they don't take up any points. Oh, that's kind of nice. Yeah, so it can just swarm. Uh, it, it can just make rippers appear on right, the battlefield. Right, which very is sweet. Cool. Very cool. Very flavorful. Very disgusting. Yeah, uh, very just awful for my brain to just comprehend. We have the dirge heart of Karis. Each time a the bearer is selected to fight, after resolving its attack, select one enemy unit hit by an attack made by the bearer this phase until the end of the next turn. That unit loses objective secured and get minus one to their leadership. Wow. So the leadership thing, All you have to do again, is can be huge. Yeah. And then the same type of thing, like uh, when you used to death gesture me and just hit me so I couldn't move or charge or do anything. Yeah. Like that, again, is a, an important thing. Just hitting. That's not impossible to do. It's quite easy, in fact. Turning off OPSEC. We've been hamper on certain keywords, right? Certain things that you hear in this game, and those those should kind of flash through your head as bold words when you hear them. Opsec is obviously huge. Turning off opsec is disgusting, yeah. disgusting. Especially when that monster is potentially opsec and counts as five, right? Well, even even my thoughts is that you turn <clears throat> off opsec on somebody else, and then you go ahead and use your other strat somewhere else on the board. Now you've got two points. You killed one marine on a different point. And you have you count as five over there, so boom, that's your point over there. Now I'm going to turn it off opsec over here. Yeah, and run a couple little bugs that I have or, or whatever. It's it's pretty it's big it's big game. Swim, yeah. Um, next we have the passenger, which is definitely a tool song uh, with Deftones in it. Yep. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, adrenal glands model only. Add two to the advance rolls. Add two to the charge rolls. Always good. So adrenal glands, uh, to my knowledge, already give you a plus one to your movement. Plus one, right? Yeah. It's a plus one to your movement and plus one to your strength when you charge. So this actually gives you two extra bullet points on top of that. And and because um, it doesn't replace adrenal glands, it's just they have and to have that those already. stacks, right? So yeah. that's three. Yeah. So that does all stack. Well, no, no, it's plus one to movement, plus two to advance. Plus one to or plus two to charge and plus one strength once you get in there. Oh right, right, right. So it's not yeah, yeah. plus three to your yeah. But again, all of that stuff together. Especially when you can advance and charge with a psychic power. So now suddenly you're getting plus one year movement. So 
it take take I let's take something with movement eight, right? Yeah. Let me let me break this down. Something with moving movement eight with adrenal glands now goes movement nine. It can advance. You get plus two to the roll. Theoretically, you can go another eight inches. On average, it'd be another five. So yeah, even absolutely. If we're rounding down. That's fourteen inches, right? So that, that's fourteen inches. You, they cast a psychic power on you. You can now advance and charge. You get plus two to your charge rolls, which on average is another nine. Yeah. And yeah, and then you get that's, plus one strength once you get in there. All of that is just really, really good. <laughs> and so thinking about this too, with all these synaptic buffs, if these are important characters that you're moving that far around the board, you need to be able to pass those buffs across and through. Yeah. So maybe do consider that relic or that warlord trait that gives you an extra three inches. Well, and I was thinking about this. A, how how important do you think it, before we continue forward with the rest of this, how important do you think it is to, if people find a weak link in the chain, to actually disrupt the middle of the synaptic chain. Now you've left this other thing out there just away from everything else that could be giving it buffs, right? So that's something to consider. If Tyranid warriors are synapse creatures, they are. Mm-hmm. But, and they're the middle, your opponent has chosen them as kind of the middle of the chain to pass the buff between the neurothrope or the psychic power between the neurothrope to the hive tyrant. Then like, boom, if you knock out the middle of the chain, the hive tyrant's no longer in synapse range. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, and, and so they key. now they have to reposition or now throw another thing out there to like re kind of reconfigure the telephone pole. Right, right. So I mean that's that's something to consider if you're the opponent of a Tyranids player. If you see a weak link in their chain, you can yeah. maybe knock out and exploit the weak link. That's, right. Yeah, that's something to definitely think about. You don't want to overcommit or overextend, and a good Tyranids player is going to really protect their synaptic link. Yeah, but if you do find a way to get through, that's it's yeah, absolutely. Helpful. Next, we uh, and finally, we have Seer Hive. Toxin sacks model only. Each time the bearer makes a melee attack against a unit, except for monsters and vehicles, if a hit is scored, it automatically wins. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan of hitting and then turning that into an auto wound. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we have the chapter approved rules. I wrote in big bold letters none of these. Uh, yeah. Thankfully, thankfully, their uh, their secondaries are awful. I, with, the way, <laughs> with the way this book is shaped up, it would be really, really. If they had like an oaths or something, an auto fifteen, then, yeah. an auto fifteen would just be the thing. Even if any of these were an auto ten, like and none of them are. That's so good. yeah, That's good. it's it's really the only thing worth noting is cranial feasting and someone where if they kill a sergeant in the squad or a character in the squad, oh, they right. they get points. It's only in melee. So it's what's really easy is if they have to whittle you down because yeah. maybe they have a low number of attacks or whatever. You just pull the sergeant first. Yeah, if they take and then that, they, you can just pull. Yeah. yeah. You you pull the sergeant first, or you keep squads with sergeants and characters away until you can do that. And and then you just, you kind of hamper their entire game plan. To me, this reads as a worse assassinate, because it has to be a melee. Right. The the one, like, goofy thing that I can see somebody doing, and, and again, not, like, as the most competitive option, but perhaps they go into, they tech into a lot of, like, D leadership and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So they either force you to get rid of all your sergeants and your big guys, but, that, again, that's not... <clears throat> well, it has to be as a result of a melee attack. So there's just no, yeah. You you have all the choice in the matter, which means they should never take the secondary. And if yeah. they do, that's how you exploit it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's the only one that looks like the closest to what they would take. Yeah. Um, next, we have your kind of breaking down of what your army gets for being battleforged yeah. and whatnot. So we have the synapse abilities. Uh, while a friendly high fleet unit is within six of this unit, that unit automatically passes morale test. Nice. Uh, Shadow in the Warp, subtract one from Psychic Test taken for an enemy unit with an 18. 
And each time the enemy unit suffers perils, they take an additional mortal wound. So that's if they're within shadow's range, which is 18 inches. Ooh. A big thing in this book that was added to this book, and I thought it would be a big deal, and unfortunately is not, because horde builds just kind of don't exist in this yeah, book. Yeah, that's the one thing I've noticed. Uh, there. So, yeah, everything references monsters, right? Yeah. There's very little that benefits the gaunts. Yeah. Um, so swarming masses, each time a unit uh, fights, uh, if they have this keyword... Um, they can fight if they're within engagement range of any enemy units or if they were within two and a half inches of enemy units. So it actually extends that. You don't need to be the half inch within a half oh, inch. Okay. It just ma- it makes the rank two and a half inches from the enemy. With a big 30 models, that's important. Yeah, yeah. so it lets you get in more attacks if you are one of those people like that, that wants to play the, the more hordy type list right. of tier nets. Um, and then they have Death From Below. That's their normal sort yeah. of deep strike, right? Right. Um, so synaptic link range is 12, 12 inches between synapse units. And then you can telephone pull that as many times as you need to, to get it to where you need to go. So, uh, 12 inches, as long as they're, it just know that it's 12 inches. They need to have their models a foot, basically a foot apart from each other to be doing that. Um, we have synaptic imperative abilities. We are on page 88 now, if you're following along at home. So there's a few of these, what these are is you just get them. If you have these specific models in your army, and then once per game, you could say you're popping the synaptic imperative. You can only do one per battle round. You're popping the synaptic imperative, and it benefits all things that are within an aura of synapse creatures. So the synapse creatures themselves, and because they're within the aura of themselves, or anything that is non-synapse within six inches of them. And remember from earlier, we have a way to still use one from a dead model. Yeah, absolutely. So there's no risk here. You get these just for these models existing in your army. So the first one we're going over is a Relentless Ferocity. It's the one you get if you have a Hive Tyrant in your army. So everyone, everyone's gonna, yeah, everyone's gonna have at least two from from Tyranid Chatter I've seen online. Um, so when while the Synaptic Imperative is active for your army, select a friendly Hive Tendril unit within six inches of the Synapse model. That unit can declare a charge in a turn in which it fell back. So it's fall back and charge, basically army-wide, uh, on the turn you pop in. Yeah. It's very situational. Uh, you get it for free just for taking the best model in yeah. the army. So yeah. <laughs> you cool. don't feel bad about it. And that's that's cool. I mean, that's going to be a big thing that they're going to utilize a lot, I think. Yeah. Next, we have Surging Vitality. This is the one you get for taking a Turfagon in your army. This is the, one of the biggest of the HQ bugs you can take. Uh, while a Synaptic Imperative is active for your army, and a friendly Hive Tendril unit is within six inches of a Synapse model, each time that unit is selected make a normal move or advance, you get to add two inches to that move characteristic. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah. Plus it's two a, mover advanced, that's really good. Yeah, and this is this is if someone has a Turvagon, you need to watch out for them popping this turn one potentially. Oh yeah, I, and just we're throwing two of their beefiest bugs in you. Mm-hmm. So, especially with advance and charge and all the things we've seen before, it all combos very well. <laughs> or just to even run up in the board and be a big fat distraction and say, "I'm going to run up here, advance, and do some actions, and make you come get me." Yep. Next, we have the Neurothrope Psychic Augmentation. Um, so. This is basically going to... I'm just going to refer to these as army-wide because if the Tyranid cool. players playing them right, they should be. Um, you get to add one to Psychic Test taken for that unit. Add one to Deny Test taken for that unit because it lasts until your next command phase. And then each time a model in that unit would lose a wound as a result of a mortal, you get a 5-up Fielding Pan. Ooh, against mortals, that's good. 
Yeah. It's very good. Situationally, you're going to be super happy you have it. You have psychic powers that have to go off that turn. This is yeah. plus two to cast on the Neurothope himself because he already has a name of plus one. Yeah. 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 So. This, you're you're gonna you're going to be happy that you have all these. Like I said, they literally just happen. Yeah. Um. Next, we have uh, goaded for slaughter. This is the one you get for taking Tyranid warriors, and you're going to take Tyranid warriors. Oh, so the yeah. best troop choice. While this synaptic imperative is active, uh, ability is active for your army. Uh, each time a model in that unit makes a melee attack, an unmodified hit roll of a six explodes. It scores one oh, additional hit. Yeah, so it's like basically army-wide exploding sixes on the turn you want it. Yep. Um, and then we have blah, 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 blah. we have warp shielding, which is what you get for taking zoanthropes. Zoanthropes are not great, but this is actually why you would take a small unit. Okay. So what this gives you is uh, it gives monsters until your next command phase a four-up in Ooh. <laughs> it's basically all an army. Yeah, yep. All, all basically all of them, yeah. And then... Um, Models that that are not monsters have a five up in one. Army wide, or again, there's small restrictions, but again, a good tiered player and even somebody who's learning this army, this is a way to learn how to play, right? Like, oh, okay, make sure everybody's here doing their thing. The the defensive capability of four yeah. up or five up on every until my on next board. turn when it's I know awesome. this is the most pivot. Like they, that's when you pop it. Is like, oh, this is the most pivotal turn. This is when we're going to be training a lot. Let me pop this army wide four up. I can see that going off on <laughs> turn two or three almost every game. Right? Yeah, like just oh, hey, you're about to alpha strike me. Okay, well everybody's safe now. A hundred percent. And lastly, I have the parasite of Mortrex's one, the the one you get for them swift onslaught. Um, every time a when you pop it. Every time a model makes a pylon or consolidation move, it gets to move an additional three to a max of nine. So that I I'm not like super sold on that. That one's going to be the biggest in a good great player's hands. The reason I wanted to bring it up is because I actually foresee that almost every list is going to have a parasite of Mortrex in it, which is yeah. the new model. Yeah. Um, and we'll we'll get to that right when we dive into data sheets. But Brian, tell me real quick, what do you think about synaptic imperatives? I think that's very cool that it's the, you have a lot of ways to use them. There's very, again, the optionality, the the ability to adjust with the situation is very, very good. And a lot of those abilities are very, very good. Uh, are four up in Volan and a five up on everybody else. Um, the thing about these golf battle round, correct? Um, abilities, blah, 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 blah. Uh, at the start of the battle round. Okay, so this is, again, similar to the current situation with my army. At the beginning of each battle round, I choose a new Space Marine chapter tactic. Um, the great thing about this is when you get first turn and you can say, okay, I'm acting first. I'm right now. This is exactly what I want to do. I have the tool for it. Boom, boom, boom. Bam. I pop this or and I can go and achieve my mission. It's a little bit difficult when you have second turn and you have to kind of Guess what your opponent is going to do. Yeah. But all of these tools here are providing you some sort of benefit and something that it almost seems these are kind of like an easier way to manage as them being just like four, five or six different options and um, really only having like one kind of key bullet point that's very, very strong. Um, it makes it a little bit easier to kind of say, okay, well, turn two, I know X is going to happen. And turn three, I know Y is going to happen. So let me set these aside and make sure 
to pop these. And then you can kind of capitalize on using the more aggressive ones later when you have more freedom to do so. But that's something I would consider with them. I think they're very cool. And again, my army is sort of doing something similar to it. So I love it. I love the aspect of it. Um, that's my best advice for, for the Tyranid players out there. Um, turn one, you can use it you know, very aggressively, but be careful. And then if you have turn two, you really want to consider what is my opponent going to do to me this turn? And that's where you want to react. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't have said it. And that's that's cool that you have that experience of like also having to use battle round buffs yeah. and kind of predict the future in some it scenarios. And it's a new thing, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're going to go over some data sheets here, though. I've kind of uh, point and clicked at the ones that I felt like either every list was going to have that you needed to know about. Uh, the main thing to know is when it comes to the Hive Tyrants, because every list is going to have two. They may have two winged. They have, yeah. may have a winged, not winged. Uh, they have separate toughness characteristics. So a regular winged Hive Tyrant, oh, I was wrong the whole time. They move 16 inches. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it wasn't oh, It wasn't 12 or 14. Um, so they move 16 inches, um, <laughs> and they are, uh, they are toughness 7 with 12 wounds. A foot Hive Tyrant. Also has 12 wounds. It is only movement 9. Um, <laughs> but the main thing is that it is toughness 8. So if they oh. don't take the wings on it, it's a more durable body on the ground. Okay, I did not know that. Yeah. So it, it's that, which I think is, that's the coolest way they could have done it. Because yeah. it actually does incentivize you to, like, and that's why a lot of people are talking about the ground hive tyrant as being a shooting platform. So you can take the venom cannon on them. Yeah. And so yes. that that's a big thing is like, you could just have this guy that is an immovable object shooting a great ranged weapon. And not only that, he's going to advance and shoot it. And yeah. You know, still do an action or something. You know, it's, it's cool. Uh, so the first one I pointed out is a neurothrop. Every list is going to have one. Yeah. Uh, so neurothropes are, they're not, they literally have no weapons. Mm. Um, <clears throat> they are six wounds, toughness five with a five up base save, but they have the synapse keyword. They have the shadow and the warp keyword. They have a three up invulnerable save. <sighs> DWI. <laughs> no, no, I thought we got rid of these. <laughs> no. They said no, and then they said yes. They made the game too killy. Okay, again, it's not the end of the world, right? This and guy doesn't attack in no, any capacity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then three up and well, you, what that means is you're dedicating probably a little bit more than you want to to get rid of him. But in my eyes, um, by the time, and again, I've got quite a few games against Tyranids. That by the time I'm getting to the Neurothrope, I'm like uh, very clearly winning the game, or I'm not touching him at all, and it doesn't matter anyway. And I'm both lost. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, so, well, he uh, he also has Spirit Leech, which is in the psychic phase. Every time an enemy within 18 of him suffers a mortal wound, you get to pick a Neurothrope himself or a Zoanthrope model uh, to regain one lost wound Ooh, that's to nice. a max of three per phase. It's like a life siphon. Yep. Like uh, Psychic node, he gets plus one to cast. And then warp siphon, in your command phase, select one friendly psyker unit within synaptic link range of this model that has not already been selected for this ability this turn. Until the start of your next command phase, each time a psychic test is taken for that unit, you get to roll one additional d6 and discard a dice. That's good. So just every turn you get to pick another psyker and be like, hey, you're better at this, buddy. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. It is um it is very sweet. Most notably too, um, and I just I just realized this because I was like, let me look at the keywords real quick. So the neurothrope, while it doesn't have any attacks, 
It has the horn chitin keyword, oh, which means it can dunk dumb. mortals on you if it charges. Oh, it can still do that. <laughs> oh man, he's still gonna run up there and pop it. You know, if he needs to, he can he can absolutely murk a unit just by charging it. Yeah. The oh yeah, he can still pop off the six mortals easy. So it's either flat three or it's D three plus three. That's that's crazy. Yeah. Um. So yeah, be aware of that. I I didn't realize that when I had even written them down. Uh. Next we have the Turvagon. So the Turvagon's the one I was talking about that's like natively toughness 8. It has a movement characteristic of 8 inches. It has 17 wounds, so it cannot be obscured, right? It's above 16. Interesting. Um, and it has it has base 4 attacks. Where this guy gets insane is just the pure raw power of amount of, of data sheet they put on him. So you could take the Crushing Claws. He could take the Scything Talons, which means you can then replace those yep, with any of the relics, relics we spoke about. Um, he could take Adrenal Glands or Toxin Sacks, which unlocks a lot on on its own. He has Synapse, Shadow of the Warp. He has an ability to spawn Termagant. So in your command phase, you get to do one of the following. You get to select a Termagant unit within six inches of him and return up to 2d6 destroyed models. Which is insane. No one's taking Termagants, but it's that's still pretty cool. <laughs> right. Um, and then once per battle, this model can spawn a new unit of Termagants. If it does so, you get to set up a friendly, a new friendly Termagant unit on the battlefield without, or not within engagement range and within six of him. Um, it contains ten models, each equipped with flesh borers. And if you're playing a game that uses points, they don't use points. So, so just you get a unit of ten Termagants with flesh borers. Oh man. I didn't get a just chance. for taking this guy. I didn't get a chance to play against Steven today just because life happens, you know. But me and him talked a little bit, and uh, he was telling me um, in some of his games, doing this testing this recently, he was bringing back uh, like 12, 15 bugs each turn, and that can be annoying. That can yeah. be points. That can be really good screen. That can just be um, very interesting. I don't know how he was even saying he doesn't know how viable it is, you know, competitively. But it was fun to test, and he was. Yeah, with it. he has a couple of abilities. He can give Termagants plus, uh, plus one to hit, which can be really good. Um, <clears throat> the real thing is just that, especially with the Siding Talons, he he goes up and attacks. Yeah. So you have a lot of ways that you can make this guy a beat stick. He just gives you 10 Termagants for taking yeah. them. Um, he, you have ways to make him Toughness 9, uh, to make it to where he counts as double the amount of wounds. So he can just be a big, yeah, a, dumb distraction. And he's a Psyker. Sure. Yeah. So uh, it's just all of that on top of it. I don't know that he is like an every list auto take, but I feel like people weren't super talking about him. So I wanted to bring he's, him up. Yeah, he's cool. Um, we have we have the gargoyles. Um, I think if people are going to take R&D units, they're going to take gargoyles. gargoyles especially you could pick them up and whatnot. So they're movement 12. Um, they only have one attack a piece, but they do have flesh borers. And for some reason, flesh borers are strength 5 minus 1 AP 1 damage. Yeah on cheap troops assault one uh but the real thing is that these are the things that if your opponent has them they're probably using them as you know what we, monkeys, yeah, yeah what we refer to as action monkeys in the game um there's tons of just absolutely ridiculous insane data sheets in here okay. um but i wanted to go over the parasite and more tracks because yeah, it is a new, new model a new model yep. uh so it has movement 16 it's a fast attack choice he has movement 16 a two-up weapon skill uh strength 5 t5 Six wounds, six attacks base, a four-up save. Um, he has his clawed limbs, which are just user strength minus two AP one damage, and then he has a he has a parasitic ovipositor, 
Uh, so basically, he makes one additional attack with this weapon, and no more than one attack with this weapon. And uh, each time it, it gets the parasitic infection keyword, which is the next ability, each time an attack made with, made with this weapon successfully wounds an enemy unit, that unit suffers one mortal wound in addition to any normal damage and becomes infected with parasites. Uh, at the start of your opponent's next command phase, they have to roll a d6 on one through three. They suffer d3 mortal wounds, and they are no longer infected with parasites. On a four through six, they're still infected, and they suffer d3 mortal wounds. What? They suffer <laughs> d3 next turn, no matter what. Oh, my goodness. Um, wow. And then we have, uh, if they suffer two or more mortal wounds as a result of an inability in this phase, you get to add Ripper Swarm, uh, Ripper Swarm space to this unit. Yeah. Okay, so this is very cool. I, I really, first of all, I, I love new models and new yeah. rules, and this is super flavorful. Like thematically infects them with parasites. Yeah. And I, I don't know how good it will be. You know, I mean, like, um, I, I expect to see a lot of it because it's new and it's super fluffy and it's really cool. And the fact that you're taking D3 every turn. Well, I mean, you can turn it off, obviously, with yeah. the 1, 2, 3. But you're going to take the D3. So... Basically, that means even just one, it's one successful wound, correct? Yeah. And it's only for one damage, right? I, I remember if, if I yeah, remember, yeah, yeah. strength five, two AP, one damage. Well, no, this is the, this weapon has to be the one that wins that. Oh, and it's one attack with this weapon. Strength, strength six. Oh, okay. So it's, so yeah, it's even better. So it has a better chance to wound. Even if you get one wound through, it's effectively going to be at least two, potentially four, potentially five, six, or seven. <laughs> you know, that could be really good. Yeah. And that's going to, so imagine that happening on, I don't know. I'm rocking uh, intercessor unit. So you kill one minimum, and then depending on the role, you could bring out three or four more guys just from one wound coming out. One wound killing three or four marines is like, yeah, that's kind of cool. Well, and and so <clears throat> the real breakdown on the parasite of Mortrex comes from a he's minus one to be hit, and you cannot reroll the hit roll. Yeah, built into the data sheet. Oh, that's really good. He could deep strike. Yes. If a uh, while a unit is infected with parasites, they also lose the, lose the objective secured ability. Oh, that's disgusting. So let, let's break this down because this is this is the hot piece of tech everyone's talking about. Yeah, the parasite of Mortrex has a 16 inch move. There is a warlord trait that you could put on him because he's a character to give him objective secured, mm. and there is a relic that allows you to remove objective secure. Or there was a strat. Yes. Yeah. So and then there's a strat. So he he trades off of objectives as one singular model better than almost anything in the game. Yeah, he, t- he you could just he give says, him the warlord trade for offset. I have it. Yeah, I'm- either through his ability or through the strat that just says point click that thing's not there's, offset. Yeah, there's two ways for you to just basically snatch a point. Yeah, and then. Uh, you know, it's yet to be really seen what kind of damage output that's going to have every turn, or how yeah. effective it's really going to be. But even then, as You're as just the point, that's as the as just part. the base parasite of Mortrex, and I think the biggest part of this is like, cool, you can add the Warlord trait for Opsec. You have ways to take away Opsec. The biggest part of this is the fact that he is just one eighty point model. He's a multi melta attack bike, dude. Oh, man. He runs out and says, "I have this point." Ooh. He's your stranglehold every turn, and you ooh. don't necessarily kill him. How many? Ooh, he's, he's toughness five, six wins. He's just one dude that flies around stealing points the whole game. The sixteen-inch movement is huge. The two-up weapon skill is great. 
It's this very cool. It's very. Is there any kind of? It's just a single model in the unit. Can you have more than? What am I missing here? So, Will so people be bringing multiple of these, or so it's it's a single model in the unit. Um, people have talked about bringing multiple. Every list is for sure thinking about one, right? Right, because because of the given of obsec. The main part is that the uh, is that the you spotting the ripper swarms and i believe he can also he also has the correct keyword to give him the deal where you could spawn extra ripper swarms as well right so you can basically like you can actually make shields for yeah, him yeah, yeah. as well make little like little functional things. screens right um but it, it's it's actually just the fact that like nothing in the army besides a winged hive tyrant moves like him and you can just give him the trait for opsec on a cheap body. Like it's the it's the sunstorm from yeah. from Craft Worlds, right? Yeah. It's you could you get to pick your warlock on bike, which is sixty points. Give him the sunstorm to make him objective secured, and then he's just a menace. Yeah, he and just he's, he's just one dude running out on the points. I could even see two of these popping up in a list and just being used as like a daisy chain to say, um, I'm gonna hide one behind obscuring because they move so fast. Yeah, and then, and then the, the, I'm going to use one, and then fill in his place with the second one, and then that first one's going to go do his thing, steal a point, boom. Second turn, I'm coming up and I'm doing it again. And if you don't kill that first one, he's going to run off and go do it somewhere else. Well, and of course they're synapse, so he's part of your daisy exactly. chain and everything. Yeah. It, it's he has everything he needs for eighty points to definitely be takeable in every list. So eighty points. Eighty points. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Um, so last thing we're going to break down in this book is Carnifexes. Of course. It's the new hotness on the streets. The Carnifexes can be taken in units of three, much like Void Weavers. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make a lot of comparisons here to Void Weavers because yeah. I think that uh, GW did a correct thing in deciding that Void Weavers needed to be more expensive. Was 130 to call? Probably not. Um, that was a huge hit per... Four, 40 points was like the largest point increase anything's ever seen. Yeah. In the game. <laughs> yeah. But... Carnifexes are the new Void Weaver, and here's why. So base Carnifexes are 100 points okay. before any upgrades or anything, right? They're movement 8, 3-up weapon skill, 4-up ballistic skill, strength 6, T7, 9 wounds a base, and they can be t- and, and a 2-up save. It can be taken in squads of 3. They are natively minus 1 damage. Um, they get plus... They have shock assault. They get plus 1 to yeah. their attack. If they charge, are charged, or perform a heroic intervention. <laughs> and um, when you set up the models on the board, you can separate the units. Right, like a war doctor. Oh, no, no, no. That, yeah, that like armagers. Yeah. Yeah, it's no. the same thing. When you go to deploy them, you can then separate them. They can be their own separate unit, greater possessed, all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the same other things. And they explode. So that is that is the base 100-point Carnifex. You have tons of cool weapons. You have all the uh, literally almost every war dealer option in the book is available right. to them yeah. as point-by upgrades. It's all very cool, very palatable for their points cost. There's two other kinds of, of Carnifexes in yeah. the book. There is the ones that fight, and there's the ones that shoot, um, that, that do it better than the base Carnifex. Right specialized yeah they're kind of the elite versions of carnifexes themselves so you you would think that i they would be ridiculously more points for such an increase on the data sheet they are 15 points on top of the normal carnifex for 115 yeah yeah for 115 base instead of 100 so here is the screamer killer the screamer killer is the one you're probably going to see the most often uh it is movement 10 instead of eight three up weapon skill Four a ballistic skill, strength six, T seven, nine wounds. This is all the same. 
Two up save still. Ten attacks. Still, still, it's still a shock assault, by the way. It still, it still goes up to eleven okay. anytime anything in the game happens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah anytime you move a model, yeah. <laughs> um, it could still be taken in squads of three. It has a bioplasmic scream, which is mm. eighteen inches, assault D six blast, strength eight, minus four AP, one damage. <sighs> so plasma. Yeah, that's still very, very. That's a very efficient gun at strength eight, and I mean, high AP. Oh, yeah, I like it. And to to just to just have have you know, yeah. um, and then they have their screamer killer talents. So you could take adrenal glands on them, by the way, to yeah, give them yeah. the plus one strength oh, oh. and all that good stuff. So they're they're strength six base, um, and they get these weapons base, which is strength user. Minus three AP, three damage on 30 attacks for the unit. Oh, sorry, sorry, 33 because they have shock assault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. (laughs) Minus one damage, by the way. They're still minus one damage. (laughs) So that's what? Six six strength, three AP, three damage? Six, three, three is a pretty good profile. That's pretty strong. Yeah, I think anything in the game... With such a volume of attacks? Yeah. That's that type of thing. Oh, and they can also take the, the... Toxin sacks as an upgrade, so every hit roll of a six auto auto wounds. So the strength doesn't even matter. Yeah, so the strength won't even matter. <laughs> that's that that's that type of thing where um like into a scarab occult tournament, right? Or terminator. You like were thirty three attacks. Yeah, where even if he's minusing damage on you to get down to two damage, the volume of that is gonna get through and yeah. you're gonna you're gonna do do some serious work. And you you can legally take Nine Screamer Killers and nine regular Carnifexes and nine Thornbacks. So, <laughs> so let's talk about Thornbacks first because yeah, they're the yeah, they're the yeah, shooty yeah. variant of Carnifexes. <laughs> um, so their movement six, they actually go down from the base Carnifex. So the Carnifex is the Everyman, right? Um, they are weapon skill three, still ballistic skill four plus, but they have an upgrade to make them up ballistic skill three plus. Okay, um, the enhanced senses, strength six, toughness seven, nine wounds, only four attacks, a two up save. But they get to take, they get access to basically all the heavy weapons, and they still have the Carnifex Scything Talents, which are uh, strength user minus three P three damage, and they get an additional attack with it. Oh, okay. So they they they're just not as fast as the Screamer right. Killers, um, but the Screamer Killers have a million more attacks base, right? So that's they're still the better melee choice. And, uh, yeah, you can put such great hits as, oh, here's the Stranglethorn Cannon. Heavy D3 plus 3, Strength 8, minus 2 AP, 2 damage. Um, yeah. Uh, or you can have them with the uh, Devour. You can have them as Despiter with Slimer magnet, Maggots, which is 24 inches Assault 3, Strength 7, minus 3 AP, 1 damage. Ooh. Or you can have them devour as Devourers with Brain Leech Worms. 18 inches, assault six, strength six, no AP one damage, which sounds amazing in a Harlequins. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then they have, uh, they still have shock assault. Uh, yeah. They still have minus one damage. And then each time a model makes a range attack, your opponent does not receive the benefits of light cover. And on an unmodified wound roll of six, extra AP, extra minus one AP. That's good. That's good. And then they have the. Uh, they have the Chitin Thorns, which the other ones do not have. They get an extra AP every time they attack mm. and melee. Yeah, they're beefy, and they're going to be running around very, very ubiquitously right now. And uh, 
Well, so you 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 quite literally could take if you found a cheap enough AQ, HQ an entire army. <laughs> oh, I, I, <laughs> if you spent enough CP and found a cheap enough HQ, you could take an entire army of Carnifexes. Yeah, just, you and you probably HQ. wouldn't even feel that bad about it. No, no, not really. I mean, if you had some of you like 19 or 20 models. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. No, no, no. It'd be like 30 models. Yeah, right? yeah, if you, yeah. If you had... Oh, all three, right? So it's wild. That's really wild. Yeah, the the screamer killers particularly are like why ten attacks still with shock assault. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe just for fun, they would even say like, oh, okay, this that shock assault doesn't count for this model because you're giving. But you know, whatever. He's gonna be killing a lot of things. It's I, gonna be okay. tough. And and I forgot to mention the Tyranids Codex is very similarly to the Space Marine Codex in that uh, pretty much everything's core in the book. Yeah. As yeah, as yeah, yeah. as well as those card effects as yeah. we just talked about. Yeah. So anything that pertains to core, they also get. It's very cool. It's it's you know, back when I was a kid and I didn't play Warhammer or anything like that, my older brother got me into this game and his army was Tyranids. So I remember seeing the bugs and just thinking they're these big gross things and then everybody sees like Starship Troopers and they're like, Yeah, yeah. you know, and that's um, when I first started learning to actually play here, I played with some of the guys at the store and, uh, Tyranids were a big army to play against. And, um, I got lucky to play on war games live and, and go against them. And, uh, I love the bugs. I, you know, I don't own them as an army, but it's one that I've always loved and I've always thought that I, at some point I would get into. And again, a good buddy, Steven, I play him quite a lot. Most of my games have been against him. Um, He's building up a huge faction of it now. They're going to be out there. They're going to be big and scary, and there's a lot of new tricks and a new – it's very toolboxy. Like we, I probably said that word a bunch this episode, but yeah. that's the cool thing about it. You know, It's not just the same thing. I personally love the fact that they have a good new book with some depth, a lot of cool things. Nothing in the book is bad. Um, the one thing that seems to be missing is a lot of like horde – kind of stuff and swarm which is unfortunate because they're they it, to me they did the same thing with orcs right like yeah. orcs were like back in the day a huge horde army and i think by i get it because i think I there's they're they're trying to make the game uh take less time and Faster be some and simpler less and, models right? yeah you don't have to buy trays for you have nine units with 30 models each you know yeah and people don't like always playing against that it's you know i get it I mean, it makes sense um Part of the aspect of this army is that cool ability. And I think the way they've done it with some of the fluffy things like, let me just have this guy spit out 10 bodies or, you know what I mean? Or um, some of the not costing points to bring back extra models. I like that stuff. It's very flavorful. It's cool. They, it seems like they did a good job making a strong book that has a lot of fluff in it too. Yeah. I, I'm I'm a super big fan of the Codex. So what, what would you, before we sign out here, what would be your big call to arms that like kind of screamed out at you of like, cause I know your brain always works as like you hear an ability and you immediately go like, what, what would I take into my list or what would I play against this and stuff like that. So personally for you, what do you feel like brings the fight best to nids? <sighs> and I'll give my interpretation. after. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of big, tough things with high wounds. Um, you're going to have to play the game smart. Right. Kind of one of the things we were talking about, make sure you're asking all the right questions. I think when you go against the nids, uh, when you see them on the other side of the table, you need to find out exactly, um, 
what they're and obviously nobody's going to tell you their game plan on how they're planning on beating you but make sure you know uh what are you turning off my rerolls on what are you getting extra rerolls on what are you uh, able to swap into oh it's lurk oh so you can uh, randomly go ahead and make something opsec like this and then oh you're playing the new model okay so you have the ability to turn off my opsec like i was talking about earlier with the heroic intervention the decision between it's better to know before you go ahead and start your movement phase. Okay, well, to deal with this problem here, I have to kill it in shooting. Otherwise, I'm going to go on that point and then get counterstruck and get killed. And it's not going to matter for me anyway. So these kind of thoughts and these kind of processes are really might be your best, um, without giving you like a data sheet to use to fight against it, that might be your best kind of the tactics you use into fight against this stuff. Because it's, it's good stuff. You're going to want to, you know, try to, the hive guard menace isn't really here anymore, you know. Yeah. So thankfully, that's kind of a thing. And 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 again, with the crusher stampede, I, I'm speaking sort of in context of us going to Dallas, right? Um, so we won't have to worry about that. And but they have other similar ways to repeat that. They have opsec. They have ways to do a ton of mortal wounds. Um, you just want to try to play them not too cautiously, but and the thing you pointed out, maybe find a synaptic link you can break. Mm. You know. But uh, tactics, I think really tactics is going to be the the best bet against Tyranid. Because every army is different. Everybody has different ways to get good AP, high strength, or a million attacks. And, and there are certain things. Ask those questions. What are you turning my rerolls off on? What are you getting extra rerolls on? What are you taking my OPSEC away with? Those are the things you need to prioritize and kill those things first. Um, it's a points game. It's an actions game. There's so many ways for this book to run around fast, fall back and do actions, advance and do actions. It's rare stuff. Those are the, the enemies you're going to prioritize over all oh, this big, scary thing that's going to kill some. And maybe it needs to kill one of your things if you can use the rest of your resources to take out the stuff they're winning the game with. Well, I, I think, funny enough, we often talk about uh, distraction card effects. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and here we are. Every list is going to have distraction card effects, yes, quite literally, yeah, going yeah. forward. 100%. And it, it's a big thing for me. Looking at the book, I think that they don't have much range defense. Right. I, I think that that's, that's the first area you need, to, you need to look at because they do have a lot of ways to make you less efficient in combat or trade efficiently into you in combat. Yeah. Um, so I, I would look at if you're an army that has the capability to, then ranged. Um, I would also look at they, there's, this is a very complicated book. Mm. So if you take the time to master it and you take the time, even as a, not a Tyranids player, and you take the time to look it over and figure out where the holes are or where the matchup can be more beneficial for you against them then you're, you're going to be able to look at this book and basically maybe have more experience with the book, even though you haven't put it on the table, than the people that are actually playing with it, especially if you're going to events within the next month or like right. we are if in Dallas and stuff like that. So yep. that's that's my idea is if, if, you can, if you can learn it, you know, I we talked about that in the podcast with like bad opponents and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying Tyranid players are going to be that. I'm saying that don't, don't allow the Tyranids opponent, they, they need to play their army correctly. So don't, it already can run circles around you if it's played correctly. Don't allow them to be like, Oh, well I could have easily moved this guy in synapse range. No, but you didn't. And we were already at the shooting phase or whatever. Like, so, so look out for that stuff because there, there are gameplay mechanics in the book that 
I'm not saying like get you them on their own complex mechanics. Just no. make sure that they're playing them correctly. Right. And because there is a lot here and make sure that you are doing what you can to, uh, like, like Kevin said in that podcast, advocate for yourself in those matchups. And, and I really think that if you're looking for in game, what you need to do against them, it's, it's the range, the range. They, they seem like they kind of fold to that. Yeah. I and, think, I think if you can prioritize those big things and get them from a distance, like that was my thing. I don't want to get heroically intervened into and lose the point that I just fought so hard to get across the board for. Yeah. I have to do that in range and stuff. And um, to touch on what you were just talking about with opponents and things like that, you might run into that that situation and you might find a bad opponent. Uh, unfortunately, that's the case very rarely in this, in this hobby and, and thing that we do. But it does happen. And when and when that does happen, just keep your head up. Just try to have the best game possible. Do whatever you can to have fun and try to make it fun. Um, but the reason I started thinking about that when you were talking about that is um, it, even if you don't have the book or if you don't have a way to borrow the book from a friend or anything like that. Yeah. I mean, it was leaked on a PDF, so yeah, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> hopefully you have the book somewhere. Has the internet now. You can find it. And if, even if you don't have really the time to sit down and read the whole book, one of the other things that I've tried to start doing is we all use BCP. Um, oh, no, I'm sorry, not BCP. I'm talking about uh, Battlescribe. Yeah, we yeah, all, yeah. Most of Some us sort do, of list builder. Most right? of us do both, yeah. Try to get on there, and even if you don't have the book, just sort of you can use those list builders to peek through data sheets and stuff like that. Just build a list. Put or if you see if, if you hop into the Tyranid Discord or you go onto the Tyranid subreddit and you see people posting up like, oh, look at this list. This list looks amazing. You can then build it in your battle scribe and then be oh let me look at the tricks and what how they kitted these things out oh wow that's a toughness nine turbagon that's how they did that you You know see some of these combos sort of formulate you don't have to build it exactly perfectly but i'll do this with our teammates because we have such a robust awesome team here this is like the best thing ever our guys are always in discord saying hey what do you think of this over this what do you think of this over this or we're putting a big old list and stuff and it's not hard to be like oh i'm not a sisters player but kevin's like a genius and he just wrote a new list let me type it in bcp real fast and start to read at some of these things he's going to shoot me with (laughs) yeah it's it's cool and that's a good way to help this is a big like you said it's a big deep really good complicated book um it's hella interesting. It, oh, it's totally. super and cool. It's fluffy and the names are all cool. It's very, it's very cool. But yeah, try to prioritize the the things that they're doing to um, stop you from your game plan. Or you know, I'm talking opsec and I'm talking, um, you know, what I'm talking about. Yeah. Kind of it, like well, that. and it was like I like so like you know when you were talking about what your game plan would be when we were talking about the six inch heroic intervention right Right. it was a perfect example of actually the banter we have all the time as teams Mm -hmm. where i were your solution and my solution were not the same your solution was make sure that thing's dead you know pop uh, maybe you pop your all hits auto wound strat and all the all, all the good stuff right my solution was well, let me throw a 95-point boat in front of it so that my obsec doesn't get taken no, care of. No, great, yeah. And, but those are both plays. Exactly. And as long as they come out to the correct outcome for us, we're we're happy. So and I like seeing the two different armies you know, go at it in two different ways. Yeah, because cool. I, I, I was willing to say, well, let me just jank out this situation. And you were like, you did the Deathwatch Xenos <laughs> Hunter thing. You were like, no, we, pur- we, we purge. purge, yeah. yeah. 
So uh, this is awesome. Thanks for being here, Brian. Yeah, dude, it was absolutely. Thanks for the invite. Always super great. enjoyable. I, I love doing these Codex reviews. I think this is a style we're going to do going forward. It's still a fairly long episode, but not so long that it's like unpalatable. Hopefully right. y'all found it helpful. And uh, I want to preface this again. I, I should have said at the beginning of the episode, but we're, here we are. Um, make sure that you, and that's another way you can get a leg up listen to all of the content, watch all the content, yep. watch the people doing battle reports so you can see how it works in action or hear about how we talk about the combos and stuff. Even though the book's been out functionally since right. the leak, that sucks and it sucks for content creators because here we are and we're still doing the same content even though you've seen the book for a month. Mm-hmm. So make sure you still support all those content creators because it actually is valuable to see their perspective on the situation. 100%. Right? I couldn't agree more. And so th- thank you all for listening. Thank you all for supporting our content. Uh, if you want to support, support it even further, make sure you find us on Patreon. That goes a long way. We're going to be using that to help get more uh, team supplies, unlock second parts of episodes where we go over list design, stuff like that. And and uh, yeah, should be really cool. Brian, again, thank you. Absolutely, brother. Yeah, yes, Appreciate sir. It, and uh, thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of Table Talk. And as always, I'm your host, Chad Stubblefield. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Table Talk. Join us each week for more competitive Warhammer 40K content, reviews, interviews, and all around strategy discussions. This is a Team Eden production sponsored by Eden Games, located in Humble, Texas. For articles, coaching sessions, and all your wargaming needs, go to edengames.com. Your wargaming adventures begin here, edengames.com.